Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Wednesday, June 22nd. We are here live, and that means it is a Destination Health Day. We've got a big day lined up. The first hour here is just a health free-for-all. So go ahead and jump in right now. We're opening the phone lines. I see we've got a call coming in. We've got a lot going on today um, coming up in the next hour. So the free-for-all today is just one hour uh, because at the top of the next hour, noon Eastern time, 9 o'clock here on the West Coast, um, I'm really excited to be joined by uh, David Seltzer from Azure Standard. Uh, we've been talking with them for a couple months now, and we finally got this put together. And uh, he'll be joining us to talk about their history, their company, just an amazing company. Um, I never really thought of this company for a partnership. I was just a really happy customer. Uh, and I started talking about them quite a bit when we were looking for high quality dairy for the yogurt. Um, and certain things happen. They reach out to me. We've put this together now. So I, I'm excited. I've got a, a lot of things that I want to talk with him about today. We're also, um, you can call in during the segment with questions or there is a post on healthytribe.com. If you want to put your questions there, I'll try to monitor that and get to those uh, while I've got David on the show with me. Um, you know, there's kind of really three legs to this partnership, and I'll, I'll talk more about that when we've got David on. Um, also, after that, it will be after hours with uh, Kevin and Lauren. And then we, uh, we might do something a little different today for the live Q&A in HealthyTribe.com. So a lot going on today. That's uh, basically four different segments around health today. Um, if you're not a member of HealthyTribe.com, come on over and join. I may do something um, around the garden today in that. We'll see. See how that goes. Uh, what else? I have some things I do want to talk about. Um, but go ahead and line up the calls. It is a health free for all right now. 855-950-3835. Trying to get my head around this. We've got a lot going on today. We've got a lot going on this week. We have another big show on um, Friday with Garmin and some really exciting new products and things going on with them as well. Our app is out. I am really excited about that. And our team just did an awesome job on this app. The feedback so far has been really positive. Um, we appreciate that because this certainly isn't the end. It's just the beginning. You know, this is version 1.0. And I can tell you, we have a lot of things in the works. But the app right now, by far um, the best way ever to listen to the show. It's organized, it's clean, it's easy to use. We have a driving mode that makes it even safer while you're driving. The, uh, you get to pick and choose what you want to see and hear as far as shows. You just follow a show if you want. You'll get notified every time there's a new episode. You can listen live on the app. 
You can listen to all of the recorded shows anytime you want for as long as you want. They never go away. And it's really easy to organize them. We have some really powerful features coming up on future um, releases of the app that will make organizing and finding topics drop dead simple. We have some ideas we're working on that really don't exist in any other apps right now. Um, I think that I know I we've talked about this a little bit. I remember seeing it on our roadmap for the app, but I haven't talked with Aaron about this yet. I don't know if we've made a final decision on this, but it's possible we're going to be expanding the app so that it could be your only podcast app, meaning you'd be able to listen to any podcast you want on the app. Right now, it's really specifically built for our shows and our network. All of our shows you can listen to on the app, including a couple you may not even be aware of. Um, Some shows where we brought back were actually one that never stopped from uh, way back when, when we had the Audio Road Network. Those shows are available, past shows, So uh, keep that in mind and go check out the app. So if you go to your app store, whether you're Android or Apple, um, search for Let's Truck. And if you make that one word, I think it seems to work better. One other thing, um, if you could, I don't always, uh, very seldom do I ask much of the listeners, but I am going to ask for a little help right now. When you download the app and use it, give us a review. Make it honest. I'm not asking for a bunch of five-star reviews just to get our numbers up. Um, I I just want good, honest reviews. We believe that we've put out a really good product right now, even in its very first version. Um, Reviews do a couple things for us, and, and they are really important. They let us know. You know, we had our beta group and our beta testers, and they were awesome at letting us know about what was working, what wasn't working, what they wanted to see. They were a big part of getting us across the finish line on version 1.0. We really appreciate that. Now that the app is out in the wild and the numbers are are going up fast, uh, which we love, and now we we will be actively promoting our network now. We've really been kind of quiet about it. We put it out to our real core group, our tribe. You guys have been awesome, but uh, it's time to start growing our numbers again. So we would appreciate any help you could get with that. Tell people about the app. Tell them about the show. I see it's already happening on social media. Um, There are a lot of people that, and, and we knew this would happen when we disappeared off satellite. A lot of people didn't know where to go to look. You know, maybe they went to the website. Maybe they couldn't figure it out. We weren't really pushing the the show or the network hard, but we're going to now. And we would appreciate your help. Let's get the word out. Reviews also, they give us great feedback from a lot more people than, you know, a small beta group. So we can now start to find problems you don't always find in the beta, and we'll work on them. And we want to hear feedback on what, uh, what you like about features, what you want to see new. Um, the other thing that it does, the more reviews we have, the easier it is for other people to find the app in the store. Your search results are better. So uh, help us out, download the app, and then uh, 
give us an honest review. Tell us what you really think about it and post those reviews as well in your, um, in your app store. Uh, what else did I want to talk about? Um, one of the, uh, you know, topics I want to talk about today with, um, and we'll talk more about it when I have um, David on, the, the whole movement of regenerative farming. And I, I doubt that this will ever make a big comeback. I don't think we're going to be able to make much of a dent in our industrial food complex in a big way. But that's okay. We, we, all we need to do, it, do is do it in a little way. Get more and more people to either do this as much as you can on your own. I mean, I'm a big proponent of learning how to grow your own food, even if it's on a really small scale. I think you learn a lot from that, and it's satisfying. But at the very least, supporting more and more companies that support regenerative farming. That really is um, one of the big keys to health for all of us, health of the animals, health of the planet, this movement towards more fake food uh, is just kind of disgusting and what a, what a horrible thing we are doing to people's health. Now this, all the fake meat that's around. And, you know, I haven't tasted this stuff. I look at it, it looks an awful lot like meat. People say it tastes an awful lot like meat. Um, I think they've done an incredible job of turning a bunch of chemicals into something that sort of looks and tastes like meat, but I don't care how good this stuff tastes. This is just poison, and it's not good for anybody. It's not good for our health. It's certainly not good for the health of the planet. This myth that persists, that raising animals is so bad for the planet, it's half true. The way we raise animals today is really bad for the planet. The industrial factory farming and industrial factory raising of animals is bad for everything. Bad for the animal, bad for us, bad for the planet. But regenerative farming is good for the planet. That's how we'll turn this around. You know, do we want giant monocrop farms and giant feedlots? We see the results of those. It's awful. All the chemicals that need to be used, the the waste products that are destroying things, we can't figure out ways to get rid of them. The whole point of regenerative farming is all that goes away. You know, today I want to um, get some insight from David on topic I've been talking about that I've been paying attention and the food that I've been buying for the last eight years really doesn't seem to be going up that much in price. It's not going up as much as all this conventional, you know, factory farmed food is going up. It's a huge problem right now, food cost. And this is another thing we wouldn't have to worry so much about. Um, and, and the reason is regenerative farms don't need all of the inputs. They aren't huge consumers of anything. 
But these giant factory farms and feedlots, they consume. They consume massive amounts of things, chemicals and, you know, grains, and they use a lot of diesel fuel, and the cost of all of those inputs have gone way up. But again, when you look at a regenerative farm, they don't have those inputs. So yes, their food is still expensive, relative. I mean, it only seems expensive because we got used to that cheap, cheap industrial food, which is no longer cheap. Now, doesn't that suck? We've been eating this stuff forever and it's making us sick and killing us. And now, and and the reason we ate it was because it was cheap. It was cheap and it was easy to get. We didn't eat it because of the taste. It doesn't taste better. We didn't eat it because it was healthy. It's certainly not healthy. We only ate it because it was cheap and it was available. It's the food that seems to be everywhere. It's not cheap anymore. And it's not everywhere. We're seeing shortages, which is a whole nother topic. Um, One other thing, I've talked about this in the past, and uh, there is a new season out the show alone on the History Channel. Um, Interesting season this year. Most of the seasons that I've watched, I haven't watched them all. I skipped a bunch. Uh, I kind of found this show late, and I think there was already six or seven seasons when I found it, and I watched the first couple. Then I skipped a bunch and went, I think, to season 10 where they did the the million-dollar season. Um... And now they're, they're on a new season. But almost, well, every season I've watched has been somewhere in kind of like the Pacific Northwest, um, you know, up into Canada and, and uh, Vancouver Island and places like that. This time they shifted all the way to the far uh, East Coast, um, somewhere up in New England. I can't remember exactly where they are. But they are in... Um, one of the hunting grounds of polar bears. That's the interesting twist on on this season. Um, polar bears are actually one of the few animals on the planet that are um, human predators. There aren't many animals that really will go after human beings in the wild. Very few. Lions, a couple other big cats maybe. Uh, polar bears are one though. They're actually predators and they will stalk and kill human beings. And they're living in one of the uh, one of the hunting grounds of the polar bears. It's not a factor right now because it's not winter yet, but we're getting close. And uh, that, that should be interesting. But the uh, another difference that I'm seeing in this show where the area that they're in seems to be loaded with um, wildlife. Most of the participants so far in this season are not having a lot of trouble finding food. There seems to be a lot of animals, a, lot, a ton of squirrels. Squirrels are small, but, you know, you can, squirrels really good. If you've never had it, you should try it. Um, a lot of squirrels, so, you know, they're, they're shooting those with bows and they're um, snaring squirrels. And, but there's also... A lot of beaver. Two people so far have uh, taken beaver with a bow and arrow. One guy was interesting. He shot the beaver, but the current kind of took it out to the middle of the pond instead of it coming closer to shore. 
And I think the outside temperature was like 20 some degrees and the water temperature was 31. I'm like, how do you get 31 degree water? I thought at 32, it turns to ice. Um, And he had to walk out about a hundred yards. And by the time he got out there, it was kind of chest deep and brought the beaver back in. But boy, I didn't realize um, how big some beaver gets. These things were monsters. The one I think he said it felt like it was well over 50 pounds Uh, Lots of fat, which is awesome. You find out quickly when survival is important and you're out in the wild, fat becomes really, really valuable. It's what everybody is after. Everybody's after the fat. Now, the goal um, for a couple of these people is they want to get a bear with a uh, simple bow and arrow. That's all they're allowed to have is no compound bows and the bow and arrow is one of their choices you don't automatically get that i think you you get to pick 10 items out of a big list um but they're gonna take down a bear with uh, a simple bow and arrow but they know if they do that that's a, a huge food supply um, this time of year in the fall, guess what bears have been doing all summer? They've been fattening up. So it would be uh, kind of like a grand slam if somebody manages to take down a bear. So check that out. Um, I think we're, did I just watch episode four maybe for this season? So it's, uh, it, 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 the one thing that becomes really, really clear watching this show there we talk about hunter gatherers you know there's hunting and foraging we're hunting for animals things that are you know have a face and foraging is looking for plants that we can eat it becomes clear pretty quickly that foraging is not a survival technique foraging is just absolute emergency they they forage when the hunting has been so bad they have nothing else. Now, some people come in and foraging is their strategy. It almost never works. Those people, you just watch them. They just keep losing weight and they get weaker and weaker. And if they wait too long, then they don't have the energy to go out and hunt. Foraging requires a tremendous amount of energy and you don't get much energy back. Plant foods just don't provide us with a lot of energy or calories. They, the plant foods you're going to find in the wild don't provide us with any fat and virtually no protein. So trying to live on foraging, just, it just doesn't work. You have to eat animals. And the more animals you eat, the longer you live, the healthier you are, the more strength and energy you have. Uh, It's really interesting to watch. The other thing I got to tell you, these are not amateurs. This isn't like watching, you know, Survivor or some uh, Naked and Afraid or whatever some of those other shows are. These people have incredible bushcrafting skills. Some of the structures they build are, I am just in awe of the skills that these people have but they they're really professionals at this most of them live this lifestyle 
in their everyday life. They tend to live very remote. They tend to live off the grid. They might be hunting guides or, but they live this lifestyle and, and they struggle to survive out there. The reason being human beings were never designed to live alone out in the wild. It's really, really difficult. That's why we formed tribes. So it's a great show to just kind of see as, as much as we can what it must have been like living that hunter-gatherer lifestyle and really everything all day long was, was primarily about finding food. All right, um, I'm going to get to the phones. Lines are wide open right now, so jump in. Remember, I don't have a lot of time today. Uh, at the top of the hour, questions stop. We uh, switch over to um, the next segment, the interview. So get your calls in now. Don't wait till the end. Uh, I don't want to have to end the show with, with questions still hanging. And if you want, go ahead and go to the website, healthytribe.com, and put your questions there. I'll try to monitor those as well. Let's get started in Alberta today. Ben, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. What's on your mind today? Hey, uh I got my brother-in-law on the line, and uh, he's got problems with acid reflux, and he's uh, he's brand new to this, and he's wondering if you have any tips for him. He bought your PPI kit in the store. Okay. And uh, you was going to talk to him uh, about how to go about it, and he wants to get rid of his medications there. So um, what medications is he on? A PPI, I would assume? Uh, yes, it's a uh, Say that again. Uh, yes, it's a pentaprazole. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. So PPI is a proton pump inhibitor. And proton pumps are what we have in our stomach, and that's what pumps acid in to digest our food. The idea that too much acid causes acid reflux is a myth. It's completely incorrect. And this is why we treat this problem incorrectly, because we're starting with the wrong assumption. I, I don't know if the medical community really doesn't understand this, this is not a really complicated thing. And I got to tell you, um, you know, eight years ago when I went back to school and did all the research and learned a lot, I certainly came across this. But I can remember reading about this topic. Oh, it had to be at least 20 years ago, maybe 25. I was, I think I may have been in Jacksonville. I know possibly Orlando when I read a book about this and I was blown away. The idea that it wasn't too much stomach acid causing all these problems with heartburn and acid reflux, and um, it was not enough. So not only do, does the medical community get it wrong, they couldn't get it more wrong if they tried. They are doing exactly the opposite of what we should be doing. Now, the reason I think that this gets perpetuated is because they're their approach and their method does get rid of the symptoms most of the time, the symptoms, but it clearly doesn't get rid of the disease or the condition because if it did, you'd be able to stop the drugs. 
But nobody ever stops these drugs. You will be on this drug the rest of your life unless you do what you're doing right now, which is being proactive and taking steps to get off of it and actually fix the root cause of the problem. Nothing your doctor or the medical community will do for this ever addresses the root cause. That's why they'll never fix the problem. They will just keep you on these drugs for the rest of your life. That would be bad enough just taking the drugs because all drugs have side effects. All drugs will have some negative impact on our health. These do. Uh, Most people don't realize how big that negative impact is. And here's why. We have really strong stomach acid for a reason. The pH of our stomach should be extremely low, which means it's very acidic. Uh, Our stomach acid, acid should be strong enough to dissolve metal. That's what we want. That's the way it's designed. That's the way it should be. And when it is that strong and you have plenty of it, you will not have heartburn. The quick explanation for this is that the flap that's at the bottom of your, of your esophagus, the valve, it opens and closes to allow food down into the stomach, but doesn't allow the stomach contents and acid to come back up into the esophagus. That's what causes heartburn and reflux. The signal for that valve to close and stay closed is the pH of our stomach. If the pH of our stomach rises too much because we have low and weak stomach acid, then that valve starts to hang open. And when it does, that allows the contents and the gastric juices to get up into the esophagus. They are still, even though you have weak stomach acid causing this problem, it's still acid. And your esophagus was never designed to stand up to that much acid That's where the problems come in. But the fix is not to neutralize all this acid. The fix is to get more and stronger so the valve stays closed. When we weaken our stomach acid to cover up the symptoms, which is all we're doing, you put your health at risk. It's not even at risk. You are hurting your health by doing this. When we don't have strong stomach acid, we can't digest our food properly. Everybody I know that has heartburn has two or three other digestive issues because they're not digesting their food properly because they've suppressed all of their stomach acid. The next thing, we just went through this, um, when there are viruses and pathogens around, and there are always viruses and pathogens and bacteria and yeast and fungi and living things that can get in our body and do damage and harm. Our first line of defense for those things is strong stomach acid. When you have good, strong stomach acid, it will kill those things before they're able to enter our body. So the last thing we want to do is weaken and dilute our stomach acid, but that's exactly how the medical community treats this. And people think it works because for the most part, their symptoms go away. Um, everybody I know on PPIs virtually still experiences heartburn, just not as often or as bad as they used to, but they still deal with it. And the good news is when you fix this right, you'll never have to deal with this again. You shouldn't ever have heartburn or reflux. I don't care what you eat. 
Um, but before we talk about the, well, let me just stop there. Uh, does that explanation make sense? Well, yes. And this is easy to verify, by the way. Like I said, this is not even new. This has been around for a couple decades. We've known this. You could go look this up in a lot of places and verify everything I just said. Before we talk about the PPI kit, though, um, Ben, you have to know what's coming. What, what's my next question going to be? What's your diet like? Exactly. So tell me about it. Marvin, uh, I actually changed my diet a uh, couple months ago to cut, basically cut out the sugars and the bread, green, any, any kind of greens. Excellent. Excellent. And that is the first step. If you don't do that, I would probably tell you, forget the PPI kit. If you hadn't bought it yet, I would tell you, don't buy it. If you're not going to change your diet, there's not much we can do to fix this. If you're not going to change mm-hmm. your diet, well, I, you might as well just stay on the PPI well, and I, I, deal with your doctors. Okay. But well, you, I, re, I quit the grains for a different reason, not heartburn. That's okay. I, I, all so, I care about is that we quit them. We, I could come up with a hundred reasons why we should quit grains. Um, virtually a good percentage of all the health issues we deal with stem from the consumption of grains. And when we cut them out, we make a huge Mm -hmm. improvement in many areas of health. So the good news is you've changed the diet, which is always step number one. What were your results like? I mean, how are you feeling now that you're eating this way? I've uh, I've got more energy. My energy lasts longer. And I'm not as hungry. Good. All the time. Those are all good signs. It's what we expect to see. We see aches and pains go away. Um, I I actually see people Mm -hmm. become more flexible, even though they're not doing anything to be more flexible. They're not stretching. They just, we lose a lot of that body-wide systemic inflammation. And when we do, almost everything we do gets better. Uh, But there are some things that won't go away on their own because they are based in nutrient deficiencies. And we need to fix the nutrient deficiencies. And that's one of the things we're dealing with here with you. Some people, I was one of them, I never had heartburn in my life. I, I don't even really, I, I think maybe once in a while, and it's been a long, long time, I may have had something that was probably a little similar. I kind of know what the feeling is, but I, I really have never really experienced heartburn. Um, I'm fortunate on that. When I changed my way of eating, that was a problem I didn't have to deal with because I had never had that problem. This is one of the things that many times won't go away on its own, though, just by changing diet, because we need certain nutrients to build your stomach acid. So you've done step number one, which is the diet. Step number two is the PPI kit that will start to repair damage. And then we need to make sure you're also eating a nutrient-dense diet so that we get the nutrients in that your body needs to make its own good, strong stomach acid. In the beginning, we're supplementing some stomach acid because we have to. 
Your body can't produce it because it doesn't Mm -hmm. have the right nutrients. Even if you eat the right nutrients, it may not be able to solve this because it may not be able to digest the nutrients right. So it's this catch-22 and this conundrum we have to solve. The way we solve it is by supplementing. So that's what the kit is all about. We're going to supplement the things we need to jumpstart your digestion and get it working right. Once it's working right, if you consume Mm -hmm. those nutrients in your food, then we can stop the supplements. Does that all make sense? Mm -hmm, Yes. And another thing, um, Kevin, that the doctor recommended him doing is is, uh, scoping every five years. What are your thoughts on scoping? Scoping? I'm not sure what they wanted that for. Yeah. Well, they're they're worried because when people have acid reflux, we start to damage the esophagus. And when you damage the esophagus, it becomes more prone to cancers and other problems. So this is typical because they know that their method doesn't work. And because it doesn't work, they know the damage at some point is going to occur and they're going to have to deal with it. So that's why they want to scope all the time to, to monitor for the damage so they can catch it early and then they can start treating the damage. We're going to stop that whole process. And when we stop that process yep. and you're not having heartburn and you're not having reflux, we know we're not doing damage. And your, your esophagus will heal. Mm-hmm. And no, I would not scope. If, you're, if you continue with this approach and we solve this, like we, we have about 100% success rate on this one. It's not that big of a deal. We fix people with this all the time. Once we do that, no, I, I would never scope. Okay. Well, I can't, that, that's a pretty good explanation you gave there, Kevin, like, that really explains everything. Good, good. And you're on the right track. I mean, you guys were already doing the right thing before you even called me. Just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if that's all you have for Marvin, uh, I have another question for you, but yeah, sure. Marvin probably has to run. Sure. All right, Marvin, uh, yeah, any, but- any time you need help, just reach out. We can help you with this. Okay, well, right now I'm just following the instructions for, I'm, I'm using the link that Ben sent me, like I'm taking the PPI kit. Good. Yep. You're, and they're basically all there, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're on the right track. Now, how long were you on PPIs? Uh, close to 15 years. Okay. Um, most... But it's... Uh, but it's uh, yeah. But it's only, uh, I'm not as uh, hard to, I'm on a low dosage kind of a deal, but because I can almost go 30 hours without a medication. Okay. Well, then that kind of tells me that you will probably only need one round of this kit. Um, I know 15 years sounds okay. like a long time, but I've actually dealt with people who have been on PPIs for 30 years and are on heavy doses. And sometimes that takes two rounds of the kit. You know, we go through 30 days, we stop the kit to see if everything's working right. And sometimes symptoms will start to come back from for people when they stop that first kit, when they finish it. 
And if they do, then we say, okay, Mm -hmm. let's do another round, another 30 days. And that normally takes care of it. I've had one case where I actually had to go three rounds. You, I'm going to guess, I think you're going to solve this with one. So the only... Uh, the only product I haven't taken out of my diet yet is the dairy. Do I have to take that out for good? Or um, while I take the PPI kit? I would take it out for now. Um, dairy can interfere with this. But once we get your gut healthy again, you're off the supplements mm-hmm. and everything is working right on its own, then I would say you could try to reintroduce certain kinds of dairy and see how you feel. Okay. Okay, and I'll I'll try that, and we'll go from there. Sounds good. We'll uh, we'll be here if um, you need some help. Okay, then. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so, Kevin, uh, <clears throat> adrenaline fatigue. I know last week you addressed it. Uh, so, is the only thing for adrenaline fatigue, uh, like I'm having my eyes are sensitive to light. And uh, I get upset very easy over small things. Is that an indication of adrenaline fatigue? Um, yeah, it could be. You know, we're not using that term much anymore, um, adrenal fatigue. Um, what we're really, really talking about here is stress. Um, stress comes in a lot of different forms. It, it does affect, you know, the adrenals and you know, the, uh, the hormone balance. And, but it, we don't really like to focus as much on the adrenals the way we used to. That, that's more of a symptom than the real problem. Um, the problem okay. is two, two things. We approach this, you know, this is what my whole stress protocol is all about. We approach this two ways. One, we do need to find ways to minimize and constrain control the stress that's in our life. You know, we, we don't want to add to that stress. We, we want to try to minimize the things in our life that, that put stress on our body. And then two, we now know that stress, uh, our stress response, our body's response to stress is like a muscle. And once we know how to work out that muscle and make it stronger, I refer to it as our stress muscle, once we learn how to work out that muscle and make it stronger and give it more endurance, um, the analogy I could use here, a couple of them, um, do you train to run marathons? No, do I you, don't. Uh, do I you, just do the cold showers and the Wim Hof. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll get to that. Let's go back to the, the marathon. Since you don't train to do marathons, what are the odds if I asked you to run a marathon right now, 26.2 miles, and told you if you couldn't do it, you would die? Um, those are pretty high stakes. Do you, do you honestly think you could run 26.2 miles? Probably not, no. No, no. Not even if our life depended on it. We're, we just would not be physically capable of doing it, no matter how strong our motivation is, because we haven't trained the parts of our body to do that. But we know we can. I mean, there are people that run 100 right. miles. 
Um, there are people that run 50 marathons in a row, back to back, a marathon every day. It, the human body is capable of doing that if we train it to do it. We can make our muscles stronger and we can give them more endurance, but we have to, one, know how. How do you train a muscle? And then you have to do it. And doing it is the hard work. Our stress response is the same way. It's just like a muscle. And if we don't train right. that stress response, then once we are exposed to stress, we will tire quickly. Our, our stress response will give up. And that's when the body gets flooded with the stress chemicals, cortisol and adrenal, or, or adrenaline and norepinephrine. And, and then everything starts to go to hell. I mean, stress affects yeah. virtually yeah. every part of our body because it involves hormones. And hormones are really powerful. So the, the way we build the stress muscle, you mentioned a couple of them, the cold showers and the Wim Hof breathing. Those are the two I recommend to start with because they're free and they don't take much time. You know, four rounds of Wim Hof breathing is about 20 minutes. Do two rounds if you want to get started. Hell, do one and see what it feels like. It takes a couple minutes. Um, I like to do at least four and sometimes as many as eight. The shower my God, if you can handle three or four minutes in the cold shower, it's taken three or four minutes of your day. That's it. And yeah. how, how long do you stay in the cold part of the shower, by the way? I started uh, with 30 seconds to a minute. Yeah. And uh, that was six, seven months ago. Now I'm up to five minutes or three minutes. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. And, and that's man, where. Oh, man. Yeah, and that's where I we, feel good after that. Oh, I know. I and try to convince somebody that there will come a time when they actually enjoy this is just about impossible. Nobody believes that until they experience it themselves. <laughs> but it happens. It it just does. You it get happens. to the point where I just love it. Yeah, it, it it just feels good. And five minutes is we get. 95% of the benefit in doing four or five minutes to go any longer than that. Even Wim Hof talks about it. There aren't really many health benefits to, to gain after that four or five minute mark that that gives you a ton of health benefits. He says when he goes longer, that's more of a training for him to get him to the point where he can handle really uncomfortable situations for long periods of time. So when he yeah. submerges himself in ice for a full hour and breaks the world record and his body temperature never drops, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. That's his years <laughs> of training. But he will say the majority of the health benefits in, in the cold exposure come after just about three, four, maybe five minutes. So I, Five minutes out That's of That's what your I'm day. doing, so yeah. Yeah, perfect. Is there any supplements you can take for that uh, also for the for that uh, stress muscles or anything like that? Or just the, the um, stress protocols you know, is the best thing? There's, there's a ton of them. They're called adaptogens, um, things like ashwagandha. Um, all of our coffee products that we have in the store, all of the mushroom coffee products, those all okay. are loaded with what we call adaptogens, 
and adaptogens are supposed to help our body deal with stress better. But I got to tell you, I'm not all that convinced that they work that well. We have them, we sell them, I, I use them. I don't take a straight supplement for this. I actually like the mushroom coffee product, so I do consume the mushroom coffee. I know there are benefits to it. I am just not convinced that these supplements and nutrients we're talking about do as much as they try to tell us they do. Okay. So I need to get an X3 bar, eh? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. The X3, X3 bars. Bar X- oh, by the way, um, I haven't tested them yet, but I do believe they got delivered to the warehouse yesterday. Somebody called the show recently and told me about, um, I think it was on the show. Somebody told me about bands. I think it might've been um, Jeremy. I think it was. And Tammy. Yeah, I think uh, it was. I, yeah, I think it was. So the company, it's a different company. It's not X3, but they make a set of bands. And I've said, you have to be careful. The band is the most important part about this system. Most of the bands on the market are garbage. They don't give you the right feel and the right resistance. For years, I told people, stay away from bands. Don't use them until I experienced the X3. He got it right. He designed the bands that worked. So I was a little leery, but when I went and kind of researched these other bands, they are almost identical. I don't think they're doing much differently. The interesting thing is they make a shorter set of bands. And the one problem I have with the X3, the bands are just a little too long for me. I have short arms, I have short legs, and I have to try wrapping the bands to get them to shorten up a little bit. Um, The reviews I read on these, um, I think the company's called Serious Steel. Um, The reviews I read have been outstanding. So I think mine, like I said, I think they got delivered yesterday to the warehouse. I'll go down and pick them up today and I'll work out with those. Um, if they work really well and we like them and they're good quality and it is the right feel that we're looking for, um, we may re- reach out to them and see about putting that product in the store. Um, or, mm-hmm. you know, I should probably reach out to, uh, uh, to X3 and Dr. John and ask him why they just won't make a shorter set of bands. I hear this from a lot of people. <laughs> It's, you know, some of us yeah. just have short arms and short legs and it, um, you can't get yeah. that good resistance all the way down to the bottom of the lift if the bands are too long. Yeah. Well, Kevin, I think you really answered my question and I really appreciate uh, you helping out uh, brother-in-law with that. And uh, I'll let you go and get on to the next callers. I know you have a busy day. Absolutely. Thanks for the call. Great stuff. And, uh, Stay in touch with that. Um, That is a very, very fixable problem. All right. uh, We have time to squeeze in another call or probably two, maybe three if they're short. Uh, If you dial right now, lines are wide open, 855-950-3835 is the number to join us. It is a health free-for-all. Oh, you know what? I better go check uh, the website for some questions. Uh, We're also um, on the website, healthytribe.com. We are also uh, accepting questions for um, 
David Selzer from Azure Standard. So if you want to jump in there, uh, let's see. All right, so there are some questions I see on the website right now from Jim. I wanted to ask about what would be the protocol if diagnosed with kidney disease. Uh, Jim, the first part of the protocol would be to fill out our NutriQ so that we can see where you are in kind of that disease progression and what your symptoms are. Um, when you do the NutriQ, we will review that for free on a 10-minute discovery call. You would also be able to submit any blood work you have currently so that we could see the condition of the kidneys and the progression of the disease, but we can also tell a lot from your the, the symptom profile that we'll see in the NutriQ. So go to letstruck.com. Look up at the top where you see all the menus. You'll see one that says work with us. And you click on it, follow the instructions. You'll fill out the NutriQ. You'll schedule a 10-minute discovery call with Lauren. And we absolutely have kidney protocols. Um, what is the protocol? It, without giving you the details, because they're not going to mean much, I can give you the big picture because it's the same as all of our protocols. We change your diet. We use certain targeted supplements to solve the problems we see in the NutriQ, and we go from there. I, that's really all of our protocols. They are diet and supplement, and we give you clear instructions step-by-step step how to do it, but we like to get as much information as we can up front. Um, another question from uh, Keith Thompson. What are your thoughts on athletic greens? These are um, powders to make drinks. It's a really popular class now of, of products and supplements. Um, even some of our partner companies make some of these. I know Dave Asprey at Bulletproof has been big on some of these. I, I'm, I have to say I'm not a fan. I think that these can potentially cause more problems than they solve. I'm not even a huge fan of eating a lot of greens anymore. I mean, I am moving more and more carnivore all the time. And if we're going to eat vegetables, I think they should be fermented. Um, that gets rid of a lot of the problems. And, and some people are probably saying, right, What's he talking about? They're vegetables. Vegetables don't have problems. They absolutely do. And we know this more and more now. These plants have chemical defenses. They don't want to be eaten. Now, certain classes of plants do want to be eaten. Fruits. And there are some things we think of as vegetables that are really fruits. Um, avocado is a fruit. Uh, olives are a fruit, tomatoes are a fruit, peppers. Those foods don't tend to have many of those chemical defenses because they want to be eaten so that you spread their seeds and that's how they proliferate. But a lot of plants have chemical defenses, oxalates, phytates, lectins, anti-nutrients, 
So we think that these foods are really nutritious, and they're not. If you just look up the nutritional content of vegetables and compare them to meat, it's not even close. And then there's another problem. If you have a certain nutrient in a vegetable, and you can also get that nutrient, or I'll say a plant, you have nutrients in a plant, and you have those same nutrients in animals, um, across the board, the human body absorbs the animal form of the nutrient far better than it does the plant form. The plant form of nutrients, our body almost always has to convert. And we don't need to do that with most of the animal forms of those nutrients. So now we talk about taking these greens or these vegetables or these plants and concentrating them down into powders and we can consume far more than what is natural now a lot of people think that's good oh look at all those nutrients you're getting yeah but you also have to look at all the anti-nutrients you're getting and to me it's just not worth it i i really am leaning more and more towards many of our plant foods were just simply emergency foods so I don't want to take a bunch of concentrated plant food. Um, I've talked about the product that's advertised all over the place, Balance of Nature, and the problems I think that that could cause. I, I'm just not a big believer in those. Uh, let's see. Hope I've got a call here. Let's grab it before the top of the hour. We're going to head to Kentucky. Dwayne, welcome to the program. Yeah, how's it going? Good. Uh, I, I was talking to about my, my son-in-law's got a, um, uh, he's been taking uh, antacids for, or, or uh, an antacid, I guess, for quite a while. And, it's, and I can't remember the name of it, but it's one of them that this, uh, they got cancer, um, a cancer, uh, 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 I can't think what it, uh, the, the, it, it could cause cancer. So what it did is went, put, put down half a, half a dose of it like that. But he said his problem is, is, is he makes too much acid. Is that, is that problem possible? That's what they tell everybody. And that's bullshit. There is one genetic condition that's pretty rare. There is a condition that can cause too much stomach acid. But it's fairly rare. No. But this is what they tell everybody. Because if they didn't tell you that, why would you take an antacid or a proton pump inhibitor? But if they tell you your problem is no. too much acid, here we can either neutralize it or we could stop it. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Except it's a lie. It's bullshit. Your problem isn't too much stomach acid. That's what they tell everybody. Not strong enough, yes. I try to get going because I told him my, my, uh, my, my uh, uh, success going off the grains and stuff like that, you know, and I haven't had, I haven't had any at all since I've done that. Right. Uh, any reflux or anything of the sort like that. And uh, he said, well, his, his is too much acid, but, but, uh, well. It's I'll, not. That, said, that's well, what they that's tell everybody. Yeah. That's what they tell everybody. <laughs> so, okay. Well, that's all, that's all I had. That's all I just wanted to find out. So, 
But there is, but there is a rare condition. But I really doubt if he would have that. You know, prob- I suppose, but probably not. I mean, I've never known anybody. I've no. never run across a single case of it. I think it's really pretty rare. But what is common? absolutely common is what he's dealing with and the doctors always tell you you have too much stomach acid well here's the other thing i'd like to know if that's really the case and all these millions of people have too much stomach acid well tell us why then and how do we solve that root cause of the problem I'm open to hear that from a doctor. Tell me why somebody has too much stomach acid and how you can actually fix it, not just cover up the symptoms. If you fixed this, if the doctors actually... I didn't know enough about it. Yeah, if the doctors were correct and it is too much stomach acid and they say they're fixing it, well, why do I have to take this drug the rest of my life then? You haven't fixed anything. So I'm not informed enough about it to, to make a you know argument like that, but I just know what works for me, and uh, and I, we just left it at that. So good, good, and oh. and that's that's correct. I oh. mean, that's the best thing we can do is share our experience with other people, and then encourage them to just try it. You know, just try. And and I get it. You know, you look at this, we've been told so many different things about diet in our lifetime. And unfortunately, most of them have not been true. And then we get confused and then we get skeptical. Um, People just get tired of this constant health advice. Eat vegan, eat vegetarian, eat low fat, eat low calorie, eat like this, eat like that. And then when it doesn't work, the people who give that advice blame the people. Oh, it must be your fault. You didn't do it right. You didn't do what I said to do. It's just, uh, it, it. it never changes. How many doctors have we had on here that said, I gave that bad advice for years until I finally realized the advice didn't even work for me. You know, we had, we've had Dr. Ken Berry on in the past and he talked about getting fat and sick and having tons of inflammation and weak immune system. And yet he was doing all the things he was telling his patients to do. And when they had poor results, he would blame it on them. And this is common. Dr. Wolfson said the same thing. We've, we've had dozens and dozens of doctors on the shows over the years. One of the topics I was going to talk about today, but I'm just about out of time, um, the fact that we are finally starting to see more conventionally trained doctors learn the truth. Um, Somebody sent me a book recommendation, um, or I think they might have posted it on one of the websites, but I already went and got it. It's another cardiologist, a doctor I've never heard of, Um, wrote a short, it's like a 150 page book about metabolic health. I want to go read it. I doubt that there'll be anything new in there. We, it's not that we know everything. We don't, there's not a lot big right now. Gut microbiome is, is a big area, but I, I, the reviews on this book look really good. It's, um, a lot of people said it's really simple and concise and easy to understand. Uh, and it's a cardiologist. Maybe we'll get, uh, Maybe we'll get him on the show here soon as well. All right, uh, we are going to wrap this up. 
and we will be right back. We might even just roll right into, uh, we are, we're going to roll right into the interview. Um, I have got, uh, looks like we're getting David on the line right now, and uh, we'll just continue on. We're just going to roll right on with Destination Health, and uh, there's no time like the present, so let's do it right now. I want to welcome in the founder and CEO of Azure Standard, David Selzer. David, welcome. Hey, nice to be here. Thank you. Well, it is, it is great to have you here. You know, I started to tell this story this morning in my open, and I thought, no, wait a minute. This is a story I want to tell when David gets on the air. Um, I, you know, I want to get to your story and your history, because um, I, I think it's absolutely fascinating, and I love the whole story. But I want to kind of tell the story of, you know, how the, the partnership came about I'm always kind of on the lookout for products and services and companies and people that, you know, could bring value to our tribe. Uh, something I've been doing for a long time. But I have to say, I, I doubt that I would have had that thought with your company. I was just a really happy, satisfied customer. So it has a lot to do with health. So the topic would come up on my show and I would mention your company. And um, again, it was just because I was just really happy and satisfied. I loved your service. And then we ran into this whole yogurt thing and we were trying to find you know, the best quality dairy. And I was shocked at what a challenge that was. As we were developing, you know, these, these yogurt recipes, we worked with um, Dr. Davis from Wheat Belly on this. Um, I started realizing the dairy is a really, really important part of this. If we're going to make really good, healthy yogurt, we have to start with really good, healthy dairy. And what I was looking for was a, an A2 dairy, because I really believe that A2 is far better for humans than A1. Um, goat's milk is, is a lot of A2. Um, but we now have these, you know, um, cows that can produce dairy with primarily the A2 protein. Um, still fairly rare, but that was what I wanted. I wanted it to be, you know, pastured and organic, non-homogenized because when we homogenize um, dairy, we do damage to some of the fats. And I wanted it to be lightly pasteurized. Um, now we're doing this ultra pasteurization, which I get it's quicker. Business always wants to do things faster, but it damages the proteins in a way that sometimes that dairy won't make really good yogurt. You know, we, we are manipulating the proteins to make the yogurt. And when those proteins get damaged from that high heat, they don't always work right. So, and then I wanted it to be half and half because it makes really thick, creamy, luscious yogurt. And I didn't want to have to buy it in little half pints because I'm doing gallon to gallon and a half batches every 10 days or so. I didn't realize what a challenge that was going to be to find. In fact, about the only place I found it is your company. And it was, we, I think you and I talked about this once, is it was um, Alexander Farms, just awesome dairy. Right. And you guys have this 
beautiful little case that I order and it makes a, you know, about a gallon plus batch. And I just absolutely love it. So we were talking about it and I was telling people, I get it. Finding this level of, of dairy is next to impossible today, but here's the place to get it. You can go through Azure Standard, it's Alexander Farms. Um, and so we were talking about it a lot. And I think what happened was one of your drivers actually listened to the show and, and kind of went back and must have told somebody in the company that I was talking about them, right? That is true. And then... Yeah, one of, one of our drivers that's it, been here a long, long time, and he uh, he got he kind of likes your show and apparently uh, was bragging on it. And yeah, now that you did a pitch for Alexander. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, and you know, you 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 reached out. Your company did, and and when we had that first conversation, I thought, why didn't I think of this partnership myself? It's right here in front of me, and I really see you know three points of synergy between our two companies that I absolutely love. Um, the first one. You are one of the largest distributors in the country of really healthy food. We could, you know, describe healthy in a lot of different ways, but your food is what I consider to be truly healthy food. And you have it, you know, a huge variety. I'm actually blown away by it and blown away by the fact that you existed and I didn't know it for a long time Um, for the, for the size and the reach you have, um, honestly, I don't know that you're all that well known. It's almost like you have a really, really loyal following. And once people know of you, they're hooked. Um, but I'd like to get the word out more, more, more people need to know about you. So that, that was the first, you know, synergy. You have the kind of food I'm telling people, this is the food you should be looking for. And it's hard to find. And in many cases, it's way more expensive if you're going to someplace like Sprouts or Whole Food. Um, Dave Ramsey used to call it Whole Paycheck. It was so damn expensive. Um, You have great prices, awesome selection. I love the convenience of the whole process and how it works. Um, I used to say I loved grocery stores because I'm a foodie and I love to cook and I'm always in the kitchen. I actually hate grocery stores. I thought I loved them because that's where I had to go to get the stuff I needed. I love services like yours. Takes away that whole stupid process of going to the grocery store. And um, the next place that um, I, I see a synergy, and this is maybe a little selfish on my part, but um, I have to admit, I am becoming obsessed with my garden. Um, I started gardening seriously just oh. about three years ago. Not that long, but I dove into the deep end, you know, with both feet. And I started reading and researching and testing and trying all kinds of things. Uh, and then I read the book Dirt to Soil by Gabe Brown and what a game changer that was. I actually started practicing, you know, and I don't see many home gardeners doing this kind of stuff, you know, cover crops and never leaving the soil bare and rotating and bringing in crops that, you know, work together. And I'm actually now working on bringing in all kinds of bugs and insects. I've got a little insect army out there now, but I can spend eight or 10 hours out in my garden. I absolutely love it. And, this is 
what you and your family have done. I, I think I, if I remember right, there haven't been any chemicals on your farm since what, like 1973? That's right. 1973 is when my dad actually switched to, switched to a chemical free farming. Now, back in 1973, did we even have any organizations that, like, certified organic? No, no, not at all. It was uh, kind of a new concept at that point. It, you know, it, isn't this funny, though, that we call it a new concept? Isn't it really the original concept? It absolutely is. I mean, obviously, you know, humans farmed basically organically since the dawn of time until about World War One, when they realized that this chemical that they used to harden dirt so they could land planes on it made the made the plants along the edge grow a little better or looked a little greener. And then they started using small amounts on farm fields. Would and that was the that was the beginning of you know chemical would, agriculture. Would that have been some form of nitrogen? It was anhydrous ammonia. Okay. Which okay. Uh, which is kind of a fake nitrogen. It fakes the plant out, thinking there's nitrogen there. Interesting. It actually, now see, I learned something too, and I think this is one of those really cool facts. I did know that a lot of our, you know, chemical farming did stem from all the chemicals we created during World War I and World War II, and then we didn't know what to do with them when the war was over, and they became farming, which is kind of scary. But I've never heard that, that that it, it started with putting something in dirt to make it harder so we could land planes. That's cool. Well, that that was the beginning of anhydrous um, back in you know during the war years. Yeah, they used it both World War One and Two. You know, on those tropical islands and such, where they had to in World War Two, they they did it again. You know, because they didn't have a lot of time to make airports. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, interesting. We cleared it out through through that's on there. <clears throat> yeah, it it, but, uh, yeah. it it turns out though what what it seems like is that once we started down that path, um, everything really went wrong. You know, we we why do we need so many chemical insecticides, pesticides, herbicides, fungicides? Um, because even though these plants grow big and they look healthy and they produce all kinds of, you know, food, they're not healthy. They're not healthy at all because they're not growing naturally. And because of that, they are just susceptible to all of this stuff. See, I always thought all plants would be susceptible to all of those things. But what you find is when you grow a plant properly, with the right nutrition, the same thing we need in our body, the right nutrition to be healthy, and the plant is healthy, they don't get attacked by all those things. That is absolutely correct. And it's pretty, it's pretty simple as far as why. Because when you, there's, uh, you know, there's 70, 72 minerals that are needed for human health. And some plants don't need quite that many, but basically plants need about that many as well. 
So when you throw one nutrient, and and most farmers use three, NPK, conventional, in the conventional world. Um, so you throw three of the 72 nutrients at the plant, you're go- the, the balance of the plant is thrown off. So now you have all this excess nitrogen, for instance, and there's not enough magnesium, for instance, or many of the uh, manganese is probably the most common with excess nitrogen. So the plant doesn't can't uptake enough of that, so you get a plant that's completely out of balance. So in order to do that, I mean, you, uh, um, in order to survive, it can't produce all of the nutrients in the plant that, that's needed. And, you know, a minute ago, you talked about wheat belly. You know, I could, I could kind of, on this, this uh, line, tell you the story behind wheat belly, the, one, the story that he didn't tell. He's right, but there's a reason, and which he doesn't really tell in the book. But, but what happens, with, so if you're talking about wheat, so wheat has been, you know, it's been the staff of life for thousands and thousands of years. Humans have eaten, eaten wheat, and it's been, you know, kind of what civilization was built on. But when you get, when, you, when farmers started using anhydrous ammonia and other similar chemicals, it, wheat is very susceptible. It, it grows a lot better. Uh, that anhydrous just does a thing with wheat. So what happens is that the amino acids in wheat don't all form at the same time. So you have the L-glutamine, which is basically your gluten molecule, begin, or the amino acid, rather, begins to form before the rest of the amino acids in the grain. Well, when you hit it with anhydrous, it makes it grow very quickly, and then it stresses out, i.e. it doesn't completely finish maturing because there's not enough nutrients of other sorts for it to get through the entire process. But it loads up with L-glutamine, and so you have an amino acid chain that used to be about 16 long in wheat, now being roughly two amino acids, L-glutamine being so dominant. What do, you know, in a very short time, after that happens, you get all these autoimmune disorders that are caused by gluten. You get the, you get people losing their health from eating too much wheat, i.e. the wheat belly thing. Didn't which is I, absolutely correct with conventional wheat. Yeah. And let, he tells to go to ancient grains. Yeah. Why? Let, because let, ancient grains, you can't put that on. Oh, okay. Now let me also go back. The the wheat that it, a lot of these plants have been, I won't even go to GMOs yet. Um, they've been heavily hybridized, crossbred for certain characteristics. From what I understand, today's wheat is incredibly high in gluten compared to you know the ancient grains and you know the way we raise them and now all of the grains conventional grains are loaded with glyphosate and so you know i i have read a lot about this and i tell you where where we came i mean i'm 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 a pretty big proponent of grain free 
And one of the reasons is because we get results. And then I have done a lot of the research on using ancient grains, preparing them properly, soaking and sprouting to get rid of some of the other anti-nutrients, you know, creating things like sourdough because the bacteria actually changes the, the grain and the makeup and makes it healthier. And I get it. And I don't disagree with those things. What I found I'm was- I'm a huge proponent of that. Yeah. Yeah. And and I know people who are, and I know people who eat that way and their health has improved tremendously. For me, I think what happened was before I knew that, um, even before I read Grain Brain, I, I, or uh, Wheat Belly and Grain Brain, I read a book by uh, Dr. Mercola that talked about the problems with grains and I stopped them. And when I stopped them, I got healthy really fast. I mean, a lot of things changed. So that kind of, you know, set my mind that, look, this really works. And then when other people would do it, I would see the results and I work with, you know, really thousands of people now. Um, Then I started to learn, oh, wait a minute. If you go back to the ancient grains, you prepare them right, you do all this stuff, you could still eat these foods and be okay. And by that point, I looked at him and said, you know what? I really don't miss these foods anymore. There was a time when I did, I really don't miss them anymore. It sounds like an awful lot of work to me. Um, and, and I just chose not to go back to them. Um, mm-hmm. and we get a lot of results. So it's there. I, like I said, I know people who do it right from the start and they seem to get really good results from it. Um, but, uh, it, it's just, um, it's interesting how much that wheat plant has changed. Well, the wheat plant itself, the only, the, the big hybridization that they did was to make it shorter because wheat in its the, or ancient grain type wheats grow quite tall, usually five to six feet tall. And you throw anhydrous ammonia at that, they grow, they grow even taller and they tip over. Okay. And then you, you can't harvest it and you get really poor quality and some of it even doesn't send it, you know doesn't produce any grain. So the main thing they've done is called, uh, called semi-dwarf. So they've developed varieties of wheat that grow really short. The rest of the problems with wheat mostly have been caused from the use of chemicals. Lots of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so kind of Take us back to the beginning. Um, 1973, you were probably still pretty young, right? I was, I was just a little more than a kid at that time. Yeah. And, um, you know, a, a couple of things, a couple of things that happened in our history in my family that made particularly my parents look at things a little bit differently. Um, number, you know, the first thing was when I, when I was born, um, I was one of them sickly babies that, uh, the doctors pretty much said wasn't going to make it. Um, my parents didn't want to, didn't want to believe that. And so they started searching for other health alternatives. Uh, and they found and found a nature path up, uh, year, you know, many years ago that was able to give guidance. From a, from a diet standpoint, and after doing the diet, changing my diet, when I was just a kid, really, 
um, I got completely well. And about that same time, my granddad, he had heart trouble, super, super bad. I mean, he was just not that old, even in his, he was still in his, like, 60s. Couldn't get on a tractor, had to take nitroglycerin pills under his tongue all the time. He was just done. And so after they figured out, hey, this diet thing, so they started researching and reading a few books and said, hey, you know, if you eat, you know, if you eat uh, these these whole foods and you you keep down uh, certain kinds of meats and fats and eat lots of garlic, that was his big thing, <laughs> uh, that it's supposed to be good for the heart. And so he... He changed his diet. He was a tough old codger. He didn't care. He ate like six cloves of garlic a day, just raw. You know, that was, that was him. Yeah. Um, and he got well. He got completely well. His heart trouble went away. He was, you know, 10 years later, he was actually killed in a farming accident. He was working 15 hours a day again on the farm. Wow. And wow. Uh, he, he got completely well. So that was, those, those two things happened you know, right about that time. This was in the early 70s, late 60s, early 70s. And then, you know, we be, he began, you know, okay, well, this this really works. This is cool. Yeah. Um, and so then we started moving forward with, hey, what, what causes this? And Dad saw the research on the grain. And actually, the very first thing, that he saw on the conventional side was the mercury. Back in those days, they treated the wheat with mercury. Wow. When they planted it. Really? And so, really. Ooh. Um, and they still use a derivative of that. It's a little bit different now, but it's still. So when they plant wheat, they usually have to dye it pink or something. Um, and so, you know, he was out there up to his armpits in this stuff. Yeah. Oof. You know, out there in the fields, planting it. He didn't know. Right. And then he read what was actually in that stuff, and it was almost pure mercury. Wow. And it was for smut, a, a wheat disease. Well, after we, after we switched to organic, I've never even seen smut. I mean, I've seen it, <laughs> but not in our fields. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Uh, and here he was treating all this wheat with mercury for a thing that pretty much didn't even exist. So and that we, was <laughs> we really created all of our own problems in farming. Sometimes, you know, and if you get back to the very first thing being the the nitrogen fertilizer, when the plants are out of balance, whether from the sugars, the amino acids, and the fats and the essential oils, those are the four portions of a plant. When those are out of balance, you know, depending on which one of those is out of balance, that plant shows up as food for insects. If the plant is in balance, there, and I have done this as an experiment, and, you know, side by side, plant a, a row of, you know, a crop of some sort, and then at the end, you stress it with water, you go in and you cut a few roots and make it, and stress the plant out. That, you can, that whole row of plants, there is not one aphid on the whole thing. Those ones on the end that you, they just get devoured by aphid or some, or white fly or something else. Yeah. That, I've done that experience. I've done that experiment many times. Wow. Plants, 
when they're in balance, sugars, and all it takes is sugars for aphid to go away. Really? Aphid do, yeah, yeah, it's just sugar balance. So, you know, in a, in a plant, uh, the, the, the sugar should be a complex variety of sugars. Okay. You know, and sugar is the building block. I mean, sugar is a dirty word in the sense of refined sugar or corn syrup or whatever. Right. But all of our energy comes from some form of sugar. Uh, So when a plant is stressed, then it only makes a monosaccharide, a single sugar, fructose, typically. If a plant is healthy, you know, if you're talking about a healthy blueberry, it has somewhere around 10 to 14 different kinds of sugars in that blueberry and not one. And our body, does, a human body, needs the variety of sugar to be able to metabolize it correctly. You're going back to microbiome here. And if we metabolize that sugar, that blueberry gives us all, kind of, all kinds of energy. Whereas if it's a if it's a single simple sugar, it kind of spikes our blood sugar almost like regular sugar would. Then, so in the plant world, you know, Mother Nature, God, however you put that, knows that a healthy that an unhealthy plant is not going to be good for for food for whether it's humans or or any mammals. So that plant basically sends a signal out saying, I am food for um, sap-sucking insects. That's just fascinating. sap-sucking insects come in. You probably read about a lot of this stuff in that that book you were referring to on the garden. Yeah, yeah. It's just fascinating, though, to hear it, you know, from somebody who has this experience. And and I'm thinking now that... um, you know, maybe this is what happened. I, I'm still learning a lot of this. I'm still trying to get my garden as healthy as I can be. One of my absolute favorite things to eat out of the garden are fresh garden peas. Love them. And I, yeah, I grew a ton of them last year, probably too much at one time. Um, and everything was going great. Really healthy plants, um, starting to get a lot of, uh, you know, really good quality peas off of them and then I come out one day and I had an aphid infestation and I had no idea why they showed up where they came from and you know after doing a little reading um, I figured out that um, ladybugs and green lace wings are really good for this so I bought a bunch of ladybugs and I let them loose at the base of all the plants and they did an amazing job they're just incredible predators. They just cleaned up the aphids in a couple of days. But obviously, something went wrong with my plant somewhere. Yeah, no, and I have nothing, you know, we use those kinds of things, too. Aphid, you know, ladybugs are awesome for more than just aphids, by the way. But, you know, and and I, I have, you know, I think that's a great idea once it happens. But we can, if our soil is imbalanced, we can cut that off at the path. The aphids never see your peas as food. That's kind of where the difference is. And I'm not saying that that, you know, that there's, there's other things that will stress the plant. Weather, you know, water, drought. Yeah. 
Those yeah. kinds of things. You, you can also stress a plant with those, which will throw off the sugar. Even if your soil's in pretty good balance. Got it. Okay. There's not enough moisture in it. You know, so that's when you use your ladybug, you know, um, brigade. Yeah. And a lot of times they'll come in on their own, too, at least for, for a crop. Yeah, and, you know, that's kind of what I'm trying to get to the point. You know, right now I'm, I'm you know, bringing some of these bugs in, um, but I'm hoping and I'm starting to learn how to plant different things, you know, around all my cabbage plants. Now I'm planting dill and some other things that bring in some of the predator wasps, and um, that's working really well. Um, so I'm trying to kind of create the environment that, that brings those kind of natural predators in more. This year, I, I really got into the whole pollinator thing. Um, and this year for oh. pollination, I'm using mason bees, which I think now are done for the season. Um, now my leafcutter bees should be coming out for the summer. Hey, nice. Well, I mean, you can always use honeybees too. Yeah, yeah, from what I understand, side, side these, yeah, these these solitary bees, I guess, are really, really good pollinators. It's like they they pollinate it like ten times more than um, a honeybee does, and they're kind of cool. I mean, I have little houses, and they come back and they lay their eggs, and little leaf cutters. The way they wrap yeah. the cocoon and you know leaves or flowers is really cool you know i want to go back to something there's so many things i could talk to you about i know we're just going to keep going down rabbit holes but it's kind of fun i want to go back to the health thing you know if we think about this you were really young and sick your grandfather was really old and sick and the solution for both of you is exactly the same just diet it was absolutely yeah and, you know, the, the way, you know, having done this now for, you know, 35, 40 years, where we've been, you know, I've been working with a lot of people who really are desperate for their health. I mean, a lot of people start buying from Azure because they have a health issue or, you know, sometimes they just want to, you know, feed their family better so they don't get them. But the... There's really, you know, there's really three major, there's three, there's kind of a triangle of health. So you've got, first of all, you know, you've got food. Then second place, you have, you know, call it spirituality or mental state or yep. how, however you want to put that. It's the way you think. And then, of course, the third piece of that triangle is exercise and movement. Yep. You know, are you staying in good shape? Now, food is just one of those three in the triangle. You can, you know, you can mess yourself up from a health perspective with, or you can gain health from all three of these. When you do all three in conjunction at the same time is when you really get results. I agree. Uh, you That's, know what? One of the things we've identified here in the last couple of years, we really started working with people around food and, you know, health eight plus years ago. And then we did advance on to the other two legs you talked about, the lifestyle. Um, we like the approach of gratitude. Um, being grateful really kind of sets the right tone, um, you know, 
grateful for food and, you know, what we've been provided and, um, and then activity, obviously, and movement. We don't even like to call it exercise. Exercise has kind of been turned into a, you know, a dirty word. Who wants to go into a building somewhere and, and run in place for an hour? I just think that's ridiculous. We talk more about, and this is one of the things why I'm so obsessed about gardening. I can't think of a more healthy activity that I can just go out and spend hours out there and I'm moving and I'm, you know, lifting and carrying and I'm digging in the dirt and I'm in my bare feet and I'm getting sunshine and fresh air. I I just can't think of a healthier activity. And then I get, you know, awesome, healthy food from it. Um, But what we've noticed in the last couple of years is people who had turned their health around quite a bit with all of these things, we were noticing people were starting to slide back. And we just assumed that they had let their diet kind of slip a little. And we do a lot of one-on-ones. We work directly with these people. And we found out they absolutely had not let their diet slip, hadn't changed at all. What did change was all the stress we all seem to be going through in the last couple of years. That's back to the mental side. Yeah. The spirituality. Right. Uh, so that was- there's no doubt that that's, a, that's an important pillar. And, and it's probably the hardest one. I think In so. In many ways, food, food is probably the easiest. I, I, you, can, you, know, you can write yourself up a diet. Um, but, you know, you know here's, when, you're, when you're talking about that, there's more complexity. Yeah, here's why I think that might be. And I, I completely agree with you. Food is the easiest part of this. And, and I'm glad because it's a really powerful part of this. But the thing with food, I think, is you have to eat. You're going to eat something. So all we have to do is get you to change what you eat. And, and once you understand it and know how to do it, it's really not that big of a change. It looks like it, but it's, it's really not. The other part, though, the spirituality, the connection to other human beings, we don't have to do those things at all, period. And a lot of people don't. They, they have no connection like that, and they don't have that kind of mindset. So I think that's why that's harder. You could actually skip, and the same thing with movement. We don't have to do that. You could be a total couch potato. Nothing would stop you. Um, so those things, I think, for people who haven't done them, for people who aren't active and move a lot, for people who don't have that spirituality and that base, I, I think those are more difficult because you have to do something completely new. Where eating, all we had to do was change the way you did it. You had to do it every day anyway. Yep. So now you actually have to do something new. Yeah. And that's with other people, uh, which seems like, but you know, I think food in many ways is the first because, um, you know, as you, as you, uh, change your diet, you quit, you know, getting a standard sugar, you know, American sugar high all the time. <laughs> right. Then you're, you begin to think more clearly. And now, because I, I believe much of the problems that we have, you know, throughout America and throughout the world, for that matter, really stems from brain health. Good point. People that are just not thinking straight. That's a really good point. They're able to be 
know, they're able to lead down the primrose path by, you know, the news media or whoever comes along that they happen to be listening to. And it's not, they're, they're not actually reasoning. Yeah. And I think it's because of brain, brain health. That's a really I, good point. I, Huh. All right. So, you know, so that's one of the things that really helps me get up in the morning is, hey, this this is a piece. I think we're going to be able to make a better world by giving people the opportunity to eat better. It's one right. little step in the right direction. Yeah, I I love that. You know, I, I know you're really plugged into the natural health world and I, I am quite a bit, have been for years now. I go to conferences. I talk to people. We have lots of you know, kind of the leaders in this field. We've had many of them on the show over the years. Um, one of the common threads, I, I, I've just seen this story over and over and over, uh, and you're another example of it. Many of the people who have come to these realizations around food and spirituality and lifestyle and movement, they came to this point because they were so sick at one point. That seems to be a really, really common thread. It is, but I tell you, it's something amazing when they don't have to come that way. And I am seeing it in the next generation, in, in my, much of my customer base, including in my own family. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, the, the next generation that have started from the very beginning eating properly, moving, having at least some degree of healthy, you know, mental experience. They're, they're ultra performers. No matter what, you know, what they do, they're put, you know, they're put in a position of excelling extremely. You know, if I take, you know, my own, uh, my own kids, um, you know, I have one, one child, maybe this is the easiest to demonstrate because it's very different from anything else, but I'm, you know, I am kind of a puny guy, anything, uh, exact opposite of an athlete. And so is my wife. Neither one of us would be considered to be athletic in any way, shape or form. But yet, one of my sons became a top college long distance runner. Wow! Um, at the you know at the college level, yeah, uh, almost went pro on it, but decided maybe that wasn't his calling in life. But he just he simply had the advantage of a healthy body from day one. Good point. Yeah. That's that's an advantage that you can give your children, you know, by just feeding your family healthy from the beginning. And the funny thing is, you know, as far as food goes, they don't, once they start on a healthy diet, they really don't crave that, that's garbage. A, that's a, I, never, I never had to tell my kids don't eat candy. Right, know? right. That's just, we just didn't do that. That wasn't food. Yeah, you know, I have kind of a, a funny story that highlights this. And I, I love, you know, talking about this, this generational idea. Uh, I didn't learn this till I was 50. 
And the changes that I've made since that time have absolutely been incredible. The human body is an incredible thing when you give it the right nutrients. Um, my son started in his 20s, and he's now a, a practitioner as well. Um, and he had twin boys after he was already eating this way, and so was the mother, and the babies have been raised this way, and I'm just so excited about their possibilities in life, how much healthier they'll be and happier, and um, their brain will work better, but it, I think it might have been their second birthday or third, I can't remember exactly, but there was a party, and you know, it, they actually struggled with, should we even have a cake? You know, we don't eat those kind of things, but it's a birthday. Aren't you supposed to have a cake? And, you know, we could have made a healthier version of a cake. And we thought, you know what? It's one time. Um, just make a cake or, or they bought it. I don't even remember. But, you know, the kids are in the high chair, the twins. They give them the cake. They start playing with it, you know, the frosting and all that. And they're pulling it apart and they're not eating it. And at some point, like babies do, they stuck it in their mouth and really had no interest in eating that cake whatsoever. Yeah. They played with it. They, they really just didn't want to eat it. They had it all over themselves, but they really didn't eat it, which I thought was just uh, amazing. And we also know that the health issues we are all facing right now are generational. The longer we eat this poor diet as human beings, the worse health each generation gets. We now have kids under 10 getting type 2 diabetes. That's just insane. Absolutely. No, you're, you're absolutely right. It, is, it has become a generational issue, and it can, it can go either way. And it's amazing, as you pointed out, how rapidly the body can heal. It's also, you know, and it's amazing how slow the body degrades. Yeah. Multi-generation. Good point. Um, they, you know, it's, the body is pretty resilient. You can abuse it for quite a long time. And, you know, some people can abuse it for longer than others. But, you know, obviously my issue was multi-generational. I mean, I, I had this thing before, yep. you know. Right before I was two years old. Right. And, um, you know, but the body, it did heal. And it did heal pretty rapidly. Uh, once, you know, within, within a year or so of changing my diet, uh, I was pretty much, I mean, I was still kind of a scrawny little thing, kid, but I was basically a healthy kid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, before I couldn't get off the couch. Kind of, you know, kind of. So the body does heal uh, pretty quickly, even if it's a multi generational thing. Yeah, it it does, and it's not doomed by it. It's exciting to think we we may not even know what human potential is right now around health because we have several generations now that have eaten a poor diet. We know that it's been a hundred years. Um, or more for some people. So we don't really know what might happen to 
my grandkids, children, and grandchildren. If they continue this way, we may see human beings accomplish things that we didn't think were possible. Because we, you know, there was a time when we ate all real food, but our food supply was pretty limited. So we could have been missing out on certain nutrients because of where we live geographically. Now we have this ability to grow food almost anywhere. And and I, I just think there's probably potential out there for human beings that, you know, we're not even really aware of yet. One of the points you made, you know, really kind of hit me just now when you said the body degrades slowly. It, you're right. That's a really good point. It's so resilient. We, we feed it all the wrong foods and it still functions. And for a long time, you might not even notice any of the problems. I mean, many of us could say, oh, when I was 20, I could eat whatever I wanted. I never gained any weight. I felt fantastic. And then in our 30s, not so much. And then in our 40s, we really start to notice things are going downhill. And then it, but, but what we've been convinced of is that is normal. Oh, you're just aging. That's what happens. No, that's not supposed to be what happens. You should be healthy and vibrant right up till the time you fall over dead. And we've become used to the fact that we think this is normal. And I tell people it's not normal at all. It's common. But common and normal are not the same thing. We all have all of these problems because we all ate the same poor diet. But that doesn't mean this is the way we should be living. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And again, you have the other pillars as well. I mean, you can eat almost perfectly, and if you are, you know, if you're a grump, uh, <laughs> from a men- from a mental standpoint, it takes its toll. That was a nice it, way of it saying does. it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, David, you know, I could, but, I could talk to you all day about this stuff and I could get selfish and talk to you about soil in the garden and all that because I, I love that stuff and you know if, if you would like to we'd love to get you back maybe even have you as a regular guest we've got a lot of people that are starting to get a lot more interested in the food supply maybe even learning how to grow some of their own you know finding better quality stuff so I'm looking forward to a lot of that but one of the things um, you know I I a couple things I want to do before we wrap this up today. And one, I, I talked about three pieces of this where, you know, our two companies really have a lot of synergy. One, you know, you distribute some of the healthiest food around and it's a, it's an awesome system um, to the whole farming soil aspect of this that I just absolutely love. But another one, there's another synergy here that uh, is pretty near and dear to my heart. And that's the fact that you guys have an, awesome distribution network and you have truck drivers i mean that's how this started i mean trucking is kind of near and dear to me i'm third generation my grandfather um was an owner operator back when there were wooden benches for seats in the truck that's not an exaggeration and he actually leased to one of the big moving companies back then. It probably wasn't very big back then. Um, but he ran some, you know, kind of coast-to-coast stuff. You measured coast-to-coast wow. in weeks back then, not hours or days. That took weeks. <laughs> and, and, you know, my, yeah. my father started driving a milk truck when he was 14 um, and, and 
drove a truck and owned trucks his whole life. Um, I've been involved in trucking, you know, my whole life and certainly my whole adult life. And this is how our partnership came together, one of your truck drivers. But um, you guys have a pretty incredible distribution network and you have an awful lot of truck drivers. We do, you know, and it's grown a whole lot the past couple of years since uh, people have been thinking more about health when, after COVID came along and some of those things um, and eating healthy. And now, of course, uh, with threats to the uh, supply chain and the food supply, people are wanting or even more interested about learning how to cook at home and all that. So our, so our business model was right there for that. So we, we've seen a lot, a lot of growth. But what we do is we, you know, we deliver directly to um, communities. So we don't deliver like UPS or something to every single house. That would be pretty much impossible. But we go into a community and we deliver to what we call a drop point. So if, you know, if a bunch of people in one area uh, or one town, and many times we have, several drop points in one town, especially if it's a little bit bigger town, but sometimes even smaller ones. But we go, we go in and deliver to a location. A lot of times it's at a church, a grange hall. Sometimes it's just at somebody's home where a truck can actually get into. Uh, sometimes it's to a small business in town. But sometimes there's a lot of synergy with a, particularly an unrelated business or a slightly related business, like, you know, we'll deliver to a lot of, like, garden centers or hardware stores or something like that. Um, so with, with, our, with our drivers, um, and this is really a lot of fun, but you get to go and deliver. So when we're talking a little bit about, you know, movement, you know, truck driving is one of those things that's a little bit hard to, to move if you're putting in long days. Well, hey, and, and with what we're doing, you're unloading the truck. So every few miles you get out, you open the doors, you pull some product to the back, you talk to some customers, there's human interaction, and then you can, uh, you know, then you go off to the next, the next spot. Um, and that, you know, that, that's the model. And usually there's people that, you know, are expecting their product that meet you at these locations. Um, and a lot of times, uh, friendships kind of spring up a lot of, uh, can't tell you how many times, uh, back when I used to drive, it's been quite a few years now, but, uh, how many times I was offered cookies or or uh, fruit or different things, just because the people are already, you know, there's already uh, this this synergy. Uh, they view you as a as a friend. You know, I, uh, I so different than bumping docks where they I, they really uh, just just never see you. I I just wanted to touch on that, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but that that's such a critical point. You know, understanding this industry because in a lot of drivers' mind right now. One of the things they don't like is dealing with people at docks, 
for a lot of reasons. Um, a lot of those people are stressed. You know, the whole system is kind of a nightmare of delivery. And we get these antagonistic relationships all the time. And um, so a lot of times when drivers hear this multiple stop, they think multiple problems. I, I want to let them know that this is a different world. What, what you just described, the people you are delivering this food to, they are waiting for you. They are excited to see you come and they're happy that you're there. And that's unusual in trucking. We don't see that very often. Yeah, no, the kids are, a lot of them are bringing their kids with them. You see, you see the kids jumping up and down in the seat. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's sometimes yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it, it's a very different world. Um, I, I, my experience in trucking, I started at 22, um, bought a truck and just the circumstance. I had a brother that had been, you know, in the industry forever, just about everybody in my family is. And I had an opportunity to do local work. Um, not food related, but similar that I would have multiple stops every day, sometimes as many as 15 deliveries and 10 or 15 pickups. I mean, that's a lot to do in, in a semi truck in a day, but I absolutely loved it. Of all the different things I've done in trucking over the years, if I went back, I would want to go back to something like that, a multi-stop. It, it's more interesting. It's more active. Um, but... And I didn't even know jobs like yours existed when I was driving. But if I went back now, I would want to go work for you. I, I would be so involved in the food side and the people side and all those. I, I mean, that to me just sounds like the ultimate driving job for me. Well, you certainly, you certainly get to meet a lot of people. And most everyone has at least some interest in healthy food. Otherwise, yeah. they wouldn't be, yeah, right. you know, ordering. Some people are doing it more as a cost savings because they have larger families and they need to, you know, buy in bulk. Hey. But, you know, so that, those are kind of the two, the two aspects that we see out on the road. You know, you just brought up a point that I'm glad you brought up and I kind of forgot about. You know, we tend to look at grocery shopping as either you know, you kind of go to the grocery store and you can buy whatever quantity you want, except bulk. Most grocery stores, you can't buy bulk. It's kind of difficult. They just, they just don't offer it. So then we go to the warehouse clubs and we buy in bulk, but you can't get, you know, small quantities. So now you're looking at, boy, do I really need, you know, 15 pounds of walnuts? Um, your system, I absolutely love because I can order multiple different quantity sizes of almost everything up to easily being able to buy bulk when I want it or need it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's one of the, one of the pieces to this model almost from the very beginning is to support folks that have, you know, have larger families or want to save money by buying in bulk. So if you go back to that, you know, those walnuts here at Azure, we'd sell them to you. You know, if you want a small quantity, we do like a two pound, or you can buy the five pound if it's somewhere in the middle, or if you want real bulk, you can buy a twenty five pound box of, yeah. of the of the walnut, and all at a different price point, obviously. Um, so it's you know, 
we uh, were able to serve, you know, and it's not like everybody, uh, even if you have a large family, you don't always use a lot of everything. Right. You know, some families right. may not use, even if you, even if there's, you know, five kids or whatever, they may not use, you know, uh, a lot of walnuts. That may just be a garnish they use at Thanksgiving time, you know, uh, but they use bulk and other things. So that's, that's the beauty of the system, and that's, I, I believe, why a lot of, you know, so many of the, uh, you know, the larger family um, folks have been our largest growth area lately. People really trying to, you know, feed their family healthy, uh, maybe not to the degree that we're talking about here with grain-free and all that kind of thing, we're, but, hey, solid whole foods, and that's step one anyway. And when you, you know, when you're raising a bunch of kids, that's a, that's a great start. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have and, uh, two examples of this recently. Um, you know, I'm trying, again, going back to the garden, I'm trying to get better at learning how much of something to grow and how to preserve things the right way. And um, earlier you mentioned garlic. Um, I just started harvesting garlic scapes on about 200 garlic plants. Um, garlic is the one thing I've kind of got down. I haven't bought garlic from the store in, in almost two years. Um, of those 200 yeah. garlic plants, um, I, I kind of have a philosophy around food that kind of mirrors my philosophy around money. And I don't remember where I first heard this, but I heard it a long time ago. And it was, you know, a really simple way to approach money management. And the theory was this, and it just made so much sense to me when I heard it. The idea was that any time you earn money, you should do three things with it. You should give some away, you should save some, and you should spend some. And I thought, that really makes a lot of sense. And kind of in that order. And at the, at the time, I had no money. I was kind of broke. That's why I wanted to learn more about how to have more money. Um, and the thought of giving something away that I didn't feel like I had enough of, that seemed crazy to me. But, you know, I, I read an explanation of it that made a lot of sense. It was kind of this mindset thing that you were talking about earlier. If I am confident enough that I can give away something I may not think I have enough of right now, something magical kind of happens. It's somehow you start to gain more of it, and I can't even explain how sometimes. Just that idea of I'm not so obsessed with this that I have to hoard it. I'm willing to give this away and share it, and somehow, I can't explain it, it creates more. So give some away, save some, and spend some. And when I started gardening and I'm getting better and better, so I'm producing massive quantities of stuff now, it's shocking how much food you can create in a little bit of space. Um, I have way more than we could ever eat and even more than I could save or can or preserve. So we give away a lot of what we grow. And now I'm excited about growing more so I can give more away then we do preserve and can and save some, and then we eat some. And I absolutely love that. And it, it's just incredible. You know, I never thought I would be able to create, you know, out of 
almost nothing now. I don't bring in many inputs anymore. I try to recover all my own seeds when I can and use heirloom plants, creating a lot of my own compost now. So it's almost like creating something from nothing and then the feeling of being able to share that with other people and give it away and expose them to that kind of food. Now I'd love to, you know, maybe start a little community program to teach more people how to garden. Um, but I, I just think that's a, a, just a great way of looking at food. No, you're, I think, I think that's awesome. There, there might've been another point to that whole story, but I forgot what it was and I got sidetracked. I got excited about the, the whole thing of it. Uh, I know we were talking about truck drivers and the job and all that. And you're right. You're surrounded by people who think this way. You're, you know, it, 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 feels like a community. I, I live in a very small town. You're, you're familiar with this area. You're not that far away from me. Uh, I'm in Cascade Locks. So we had about a thousand people. I think we've grown quite a bit in the last couple of years, but oh. I don't know what the new number is now. But we have a drop point here, even in our little town. It's a, a friend of mine. Um, so I just drive down to their house once a month. They have a delivery once a month. And then the other three okay. weeks, I... I just go to Hood River because you have a great drop point there in Hood River too. So um, the the driving part of this, um, you guys are growing a lot. I understand trucking. I've been involved in it a long time. I have to believe that you have some challenges around drivers. Yeah, no, it's, uh, typically, you know, it's not for everybody. It's work. Um, but most of the drivers that we have, uh, once once they've done it for a little while, they're they're hooked. Yeah, it's yeah. Lo- it's long it's a long term gig. I mean, some of you know Rick that um, you know uh, told me about you. Oh, shoot, I think he's been with us for almost twenty years. Wow, uh, do, doing you know doing these these deliveries. It's uh it's really uh it's something that you know. Hey, if you get past the, you know, the first couple of weeks and real and understand, you know, what it is you're doing, it becomes a lot of fun. And uh, so, but yes, with the growth that we've had, you know, finding somebody when you tell them, oh yeah, you'll probably have, you know, 20 stops a day. <laughs> right. Uh, suddenly, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's a little different. Nobody, uh, you know, you think about that from a traditional trucking standpoint, and that sounds like not a, not a good gig. Um, so when we're, you know, so yes, we're, we're looking for some new, some, some more drivers. Uh, the ones that we're, we have are working really extra hard right now just because of the additional volume. And I'd rather, um, you know, hey, I want to be more family friendly as we can. We need... You know, we need to give those those guys a little bit. Uh, we need to infuse a little, a few more drivers in there, so people have, you know, time time with their families as much as they need. Uh, we're, you know, the, you know, and we do have, you know, some of the some of the drivers that take uh, family members with them as well. Which uh, you know, we try to be as family friendly as we can along those lines. Whatever is is reasonable to do. Uh, my, uh, you know, 
I have a nep- nephew that's one of my, you know, one of our catcher drivers here. And he, uh, you know, he seems to always like to take uh, one of his children with him. And it gives him time to, you know, really be with, give special one-on-one time with uh, at least one of his, one of his children. And so, you know, there's, you know, and then when he's at the, these drop points with these people, they, they love, they love that. Oh, but, oh, you know, it's very different. It's not like, Hey, stay in the truck. There's no no kids on the dock. (laughs) You know, know, it's completely, completely different uh, from that standpoint. So yes, the growth, the growth has necessitated us to need to expand our driver pool uh, for both delivery drivers, and we also have, because we deliver almost the entire country, we do, for the things that, for the the drops that are further away, we do what we call a shuttle delivery. So we have, those are actually trucks that load up and take it cross country, and then they meet up with the driver that's, say, in the southeast. So they might meet that guy in Atlanta or, you know, just throwing that out there off the top of my head. But um, so they go and a lot of times we'll even we'll just back those trailers up back to back, throw electric pallet jack and throw a dock plate down. And then with the electric pallet jack, we move the, the product from the shuttle truck to the delivery truck. And the delivery trucks are set up. The trailers are set up a little differently. They have front doors because we deliver frozen as well. Yeah. And so then you put the, you put the frozen up front behind, you know, behind a bulkhead and then you have a front door and then the, you know, then the rest of it is for the refrigerated stuff. We pretty much just refrigerate all the dry stuff out on the delivery side. And then that truck, then it's empty and he can, you know, reload something else. Or a lot of times we reload those with our own, you know, with backhauls of product, incoming product, um, and then bring those back. So we also have the need for a few more, what I'm calling shuttle drivers. So those guys wouldn't uh, wouldn't make so many stops. Um, so uh, maybe not quite as much fun, but at least it's it's a lot better than just uh, dock dock. Stuff. Yeah, and then yeah. but sometimes you do hit docks on the way back, picking up incoming product. Um, yeah, okay, that makes sense. You know, bring back a load of you know rice. If we're going to Atlanta, maybe we go to Louisiana, pick up a load of rice, and come back. Yeah, or, you know, I'm just off the top of my head, something along those lines. Got it. So. Um, you hire drivers virtually all over the country. Got a couple options. The shuttle drivers isn't quite as many stops. Still interesting, and you're not in that conventional kind of trucking where you know you're waiting in lines everywhere to get a door. And um, so, if, if, there's still so many things I'd love to talk to you about, but I want to yeah. get this one so, out because yeah, I know so a lot that, of people are probably yeah, asking that, right now. If somebody were interested in driving for you, what what's their first step? Well, hey, give us um, give us a call or you know an email or uh, whatever. Uh, I 
I have right now. I have a uh, James has been uh, talking with people first, and I can give you his uh, his cell number. So if people want to just contact him directly, sure. Uh, he's uh, but you're always welcome to just to to call our uh, main line and ask. But James is uh, James Basinger, and he is at uh, five four one. Seven eight eight four seven seven three, and that's that's his that's his cell number, and he's the one who would be able to give you, you know, all the details and the particulars and anything, you know, what's re- you know what's required, you know, for uh, as far as what we can what we can insure and what we can't and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. Um, one more time, it was James. Give out that number. I want to write it down, too, because I know people yeah. are going to be asking me for it. Yeah, James Basinger, uh, 541-788-4773. Got it. All right, that was 4773, right? That's right. Got it, perfect. Because I'm sure I'm going to get requests for it and give everybody a chance to write that down. I I think this is one of those driving opportunities that is really unique. Like I said, this would be right down my alley. I would love this. And a lot of drivers don't even realize an opportunity like this even exists. So, you know, I'm grateful for our partnership. We can bring this to our tribe. Like I said, the three legs of this, I, I love the healthy food, the, Soil and farming part, gardening for me, kind of selfishly, I like that part. And I have a question for you on that too. And the driving part, the, the trucking part of this is a, is a huge part of your operation um, and, and such a unique opportunity to, to be able to use your skills as a truck driver in a different setting that I think a lot of people would be very happy with. Yeah, and the, you know, the other cool part is you're, you're delivering healthy food to families and well, hey, making long-term, at least in my belief system, it's making a long-term difference. It, absolutely. The, of the whole, you know, the whole nation as we think, you know, eat better, we think straighter, we make, you know, we make better decisions. You know, this, um, the, this yogurt that we're making out of all that high-quality Alexander Farm dairy one of them is a specific strain of bacteria that we now know does specific things in our body. And I love this one because it actually increases oxytocin, the, the love hormone. That's the stuff that makes us want to connect with other human beings. I think it also makes us connect with babies and tiny animals and we want to protect them and this yogurt actually increases the oxytocin, the the love hormone. Doesn't our world need a whole lot more of that right now? That sure wouldn't hurt a thing. That's for sure. Yeah. So here's something else I love about, you know, kind of the human spirit. One of the things we have certainly seen here on this show Somebody comes to us, they're very unhealthy. They have all the typical, you know, that that acronym for 
the standard American diet, sad. Um, we could also say that if you eat the sad, the standard American diet, you should just be prepared to take the sad, the standard American drugs, and then you're still going to get the sad, the standard American diseases. Um, so these people come to us and, and we know what, what's wrong with them. We know how to fix it. If they do these things, it works virtually every time. The one thing I love, almost everybody, when they experience this, they want to share it. I, I love that. They, they call me back. I'm so happy. I'm so healthy. I wish I could get my brother-in-law to do this. I wish I could get my son, my daughter, my wife. It, it's one of our biggest challenges. It really is really difficult. Um, and I'm not sure the best way to do it. But, you know, it's, again, the, the more involved you are in communities like this, to have a job where you get to do this, I, that's how we're going to spread this. Yeah, no, it's going to be awesome as we, yeah, as we move through that. Um, just, uh, yeah, and it is a lot more inspiring when you're talking to people all day long and delivering to people that really care about their health, about their food, their food supply. Um, it, you know, you don't feel so alone. Right. And if you're, if you're just having to do it out there, nobody else cares. No, I don't know. <laughs> you know, the funny thing we talk about, and you bring up so many things I want to talk about. One of the funny things we talk about is when you look at the, I hate to even use the word food for most of what we eat today. It's really not food. Um, but you look at some of the crazy things we eat and you look at the ingredients and there's, there's no food in there. That is totally acceptable. Nobody would blink an eye if they sit down and you are eating a bag of Doritos and a soda for lunch. Nobody blinks an eye. They don't even think about it. Show up one day and say, I'm only eating meat for lunch today and people lose their mind. It, it's, it's, it, we're so backwards on this. It's just incredible. Um, a couple of things. One, before I, I ask any more questions or talk anymore, I just want to make sure we're okay on time. I, don't, I, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day uh, to join us here, and I don't want to take advantage of that. Do, do I need to let you loose here soon? Or? Uh, well, it's no problem. I don't know how long your show normally goes for. I you know, don't want to go over. Oh, uh, we... Uh, we, I, I'm not really Whatever big on. Uh, I'm not really big on rules. Um, we go as long as we want. Okay. Um, I just wanted to make sure I, I wasn't taking advantage of your time. And I, I just have a couple more things. And again, um, you know, we can talk about it later. I'd love to get you back. You know, at times and talk more about this. But um, one of the things I'd love to know. I am just. I'm fascinated by business. I've kind of been, you know, self-employed and had multiple businesses my whole life. I read books about business. I, I'm just fascinated by those stories. So I'm thinking back to, you know, when, so you grew up on the farm, you went through that whole change, moving to organic and natural, you know, kind of through your childhood. At some point, this farm became Azure Standard. I, Tell us about that. I, I, you've built such an incredible business here from, 
from almost nothing. What, what, tell us about how that came about and what that was like. Well, after my dad, he started farming organically in 73. Uh, like you pointed out, there was no certification agency. The name wasn't very well known. Um, but uh, dad knew, um, he knew Bob Moore, uh, who started Bob's Red Mill. Oh, Back, oh. back in the day. I, that's awesome. Okay. I, 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 and again, I keep interrupting you, but you keep bringing up stuff. Um, I love that company. I, I said I just lo- I read a book um, about that company, and I, I just thought it was fascinating. He started that company late in life. Um, it, after I read the book, I wanted to go down and see their, their location here in Portland. And sure enough, I walk in. They have this little cafe kind of thing, and there's Bob. I, I, just, oh, was he there? He was there. I guess he's there all the time. He's, you know, always wandering around and um, just an awesome guy. And then the fact that he basically gave the company to all the employees, I just think is incredible. Yeah. So he, uh, dad and Bob knew each other uh, back in the day before Bob really started what's now known as Bob's Red Mill. He had a little, he was a miller. He had a, another company called Morris Flour Mill before that. Um, but in any way, uh, Bob Moore, he got uh, connected, and I don't know how he knew him exactly, with the original Fred Meyer. Oh, wow. Uh, Fred, Fred himself, right? Yeah. That uh, started Fred Meyers. So Fred put all the Bob stuff in the Fred Meyers, and that's really how he got his start. So... The Fred Meyer stores, they were a little bit further advanced. And along the, um, you know, there was already, I don't know, 10 or 12 stores by that time. And so he he put Bob's products, his whole grain flours and stuff, cereal mixes and different things, in all the Fred Meyer stores, which were all here in the Northwest at that time. So that was, that was how. But Fred was getting older, and eventually he sold out to Kroger's. Well, in the meantime, so dad was, he, we were growing grain, uh, and I was involved in that as well, for Bob. You know, all of our organic, we were doing organic wheat and rye mostly. Um, sold it all to Bob. He was our, basically our one-stop market. Um, so after, apparently Kroger's, it was a couple years later, after Kroger's bought, but somebody at corporate started looking into all the details and saw this line of organic uh, flour and grains in all the Fred Meyer stores here now that Kroger's owned it. And so he, he comes down with this thing. He said, you know, we don't need this stupid organic stuff in our stores. This is like we're talking um, mid to late 80s. Wow. <laughs> Uh, Boy, I think he got that one wrong. <laughs> he got that one wrong, but he told Bob, he said, Bob, you know, I'll keep your products in here, but I, w- I need it cheaper and I don't want any organic stuff. So Bob dutifully switched to all conventional on all his, uh, his, his flour and stuff that he was selling into Fred Meyer. Well, that basically dried up the entire organic market for us. Wow. So this is like, uh, this happened in like in November. Well, we plant, 
the rye and wheat and stuff we were growing for Bob's, we plant that in September. Some November, we get a call from Bob's apologizing profusely, but he basically says he has no market for our stuff anymore because Kroger's just nicked him. So now we're stuck with uh, a whole crop of grain with no home. And so I I would tell people I was young and stupid at that time. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I figured somebody bought it. I need to go find out where that was. So yeah. I went out and so I, I went out and uh, started going to, like, you know, co-ops and little food stores and stuff like that all around the Northwest. And, you know, pitched up, hey, do you want to buy some flour? And I got, I found somebody to custom grind the wheat and rye and stuff for us up in Yakima, uh, old stone mill, and it was kind of cool. And, and so I created some product. So, oh, we got wheat, we've got rye, and we've got flour and, you know, a couple different, you know, rye flour and wheat flour and a couple different grades of wheat flour. We had pastry and we had bread, uh, wheat flours. And so that was kind of, uh, so I would go around to these places and, you know, here I've got, you know, thousands of bushels to deal with, uh, tens of thousands. Um, but I get the answer, well, you know, I'll, I'll take three or four bags a week. Like, oh three or four bags a week. Like, <laughs> how, how long is that going to take? <laughs> yeah. But finally, I compiled enough of them. And again, it wasn't, it wasn't a big thing, and we certainly weren't able to move all of our products that way. We had to find some other markets. But I, I started telling them, hey, you know, how about every other week? I'll deliver every other week to you guys. So then I made this route, like I came here from Dufer, I went down to Tri-Cities, over to Ellensburg, Yakima, Ellensburg, Seattle, um, back down I-5 to Portland and back. And then the next, the following week, it usually takes me two days to do that run. This is just in a pickup. You know, I didn't have a truck yet at that point. Yeah, point. yeah. Um, and then the next week I did, you know, I'd go like Finn, Eugene, and back to Portland that way. And so then they get delivery every other week. So I loaded up the, I loaded up the, the pickup every week and made all these deliveries of mostly wheat and flour. Well, two things happened. Number one is some of those stores started asking for other things. Hey, you got lentils, you got beans, you got, you know, do you ever do that? Well, I didn't grow those things, but, you know, I've been in the organic industry since I was fairly, uh, you know, an adolescent. And so I said, well, you know, I know somebody who grows organic lentils out in, you know, over by Spokane. I'll, I, can, I can probably work with him and get you some. And then so I started adding some items to our, to our mix. And then the other thing that happened is those more friends and family at the very beginning. But, you know, I had all these people. You know, we had a lot of family over in central Washington, like Yakima and Ellensburg and stuff like that. And they had a lot of friends. And I was doing these routes. So, you know, sometimes I'd stop and spend the night there or whatever. Um, so they would keep asking me, hey, you know, you're going to be going to Portland next week. Can you stop and pick me up some spices or some nuts or something that they couldn't get <laughs> in their yeah. area? Yeah. And so I started doing it as a favor, you know. And finally I figured... After doing that for six or eight months, I said, you know, there seems to be quite a few people out in these rural areas that don't seem to be able to get 
a lot of these things. Um, so I put together my first catalog. And this was kind of almost two separate things, but I was using the same truck to do it on. One, I was delivering this bulk food, bulk grain and beans and stuff to the stores. And number two, then I started, I put together this little catalog. It was just like four pages folded over front and back, you know. <laughs> yeah. The catalog. Um, and so I sent, sent out copies to all the people who, you know, the family and the friends that had requested stuff to start with and said, hey, if anybody else in your area wants this stuff, I'm going to start doing that. So I bought little little stock of the things that were most commonly requested. And uh, that was kind of how it started. What an incredible so kind of, story. Kind of accidental in a way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what an incredible story, though. I mean, this is truly a business that was built on pure sweat equity. That was a lot of work. <laughs> well, I, I don't deny that, but I've never been the kind that shied away from work. Yeah, what a, uh, a, a, what a great story. The other part of the story that I love, like I said, I, I read stories like this. I'm fascinated by them. The fact that, that an event that had to have looked catastrophic to you, losing that, that one big customer, that one big order, um, I, I can't imagine what that felt like, but the company the way it is today probably wouldn't exist if that wouldn't have happened. Um, I, I, one of the other no. stories that jumps out at me like that, um, Corbell champagne, um, couple brothers, I think from Italy or something, I forget exactly where, um, family history of growing table grapes. They moved to California, start a grape farm. They grow table grapes. They're selling them. Everything's fine. Um, one year there was just a glut of table grapes they had a great season. People were getting into it couldn't find any place to sell their grapes. One of the brothers said, well, let's just take our grapes and make champagne. And now Corbell's a famous champagne. Probably wouldn't have happened had they not had that big challenge. Right. Well, you know, as they say, necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah. So, you know, there's, uh, there's definitely something to be said for that. Absolutely. Um, one more thing, and then I'm going to let you go for today. And like I said, I'd love to talk to you about coming back and maybe even make this a regular thing. And and this question's a little selfish on my part, but because you understand the whole regenerative farming, the soil, all the conditions, and you're familiar with this area, is Cascade Locks and even, you know, other parts of the gourd, like these weird little microclimates? Well, Cascade Locks is definitely a microclimate. I mean, it is nothing like we are here. Right. I, we and we're only about eight feet of rain a year, I think. And we're only and like. We get about eight inches. And we're only like 45 miles apart. We're, we're maybe a little more for you. I'm thinking of the Dalles kind of area, but we're not that far apart. That is correct. Yeah. You know, but as I, as I understand it, doesn't Cascade Locks get like five feet or eight or something like that? We do. We, I don't, and I don't know the exact number either. It's a lot, though. Um, but the weird thing about it, we tend to get all of that rain concentrated into about eight months of the year, 
And then we have summers, we've had several since I've been living here the last 10 years, where we have gone 100 days with no rain, just pure sunshine and blue skies. And as long as you can get enough water into your garden, it is just awesome growing conditions. This year, uh, you're aware, this has been a really weird spring for us. I mean, it feels like summer just started this week, finally. Things are finally starting to grow in the garden. Um, but you know, when I look at like the hardiness zone, we're in eight B and yet most of zone eight is kind of like deep South where they have this long, yeah, that's California. Yeah. In Texas, I think even parts of Texas are like eight B or Arizona. And so when you look at that and they say, oh, you can grow this crop at this time of year. Yeah. That doesn't work so well here. We don't have the kind of you know, heat and sunshine that they have, we do have the fact that we don't get really cold and we don't get many freezes, but it, it's kind of just a weird zone. To, it's almost like you have to figure this out on your own. That's true. And, you know, that's almost true anywhere. Um, you, you can grow plants. The, the agricultural chart basically is about the the winter freeze. So you can grow crops that are frost sensitive in Cascade Lots because it almost never freezes there. At least right. not very hard. Right. But you only have those hundred days or so of sunshine. The rest of it's rain. So you you have to grow crops that are the sunshine-loving crops, anyway, that are a little bit shorter season. You need to be able to keep that within that within that season. And it's, you know, similar winter lows that you would get in Arizona. Right. But that doesn't mean you have the same heat. <laughs> and the same so those length. Are, those and... are kind of two different things. Right. Right. Yeah, it's almost like maybe we could use a a better system that balances the difference between the summer and the winter. But like you said, you you know, a zone system like this can only do you so much good anyway. You just kind of have to learn how to grow things where you are. Like right now I'm looking, our our spring was so wet and no sunshine, and now we're finally getting it, so I'm ready to put some plants out in the garden that I've had in the the grow house, but I'm looking at some plants that need like 110 days to mature. And I don't think we're going to have 110 days this year. There's a good chance that you're going to be pushing your season with that for sure. Yeah. And it's probably, you know, here, you know, if we, we have a lot of hoop houses here on the farm. I've got, well, around 30, I guess, of the, the hoop houses. But 22 hoop houses that we raise um, crops in, mostly seed, um, uh, gar- garden seeds, basically. Yeah. Um, but we, we do a lot of garden seed in hoop houses, just, well, for two reasons. One is protects it from cross-pollination. They're indoors, and the other, it gives you much longer seasons crops, like you're talking about those 100-day squash or watermelon or okra or something like that. Right. Uh, 
you're you're not gonna you know you're not gonna get that in the outdoors. You know, technically our you know our zone at my house is six. Um, you know, which is obviously several zones colder than what you guys are. Um, but I I know that I can grow a lot of things that that I can basically grow seven and eight zone stuff in a hoop house, in a simple hoop house, unheated, just just simply by using a hoop house. That, so that's, that's one of the things when you're gardening that might be something um, to look at. Yeah, I'm actually looking at a program now, kind of a training kind of guidance. I, I'm, I'm harvesting food out of the garden now, maybe seven months, six for sure. Um, but I, I'd like to kind of extend that a little bit. So I'm looking at row covers and I haven't done any of those kind of things yet. So that's kind of my next step. We've got a lot of these other things. The, I kind one, of, the one really cool thing that you can do that I, that I can't do up at my place is you can grow a whole bunch of fall greens and brassicas and stuff like that. And you can probably harvest them most all winter long. Yeah, that'd be interesting. That that's kind of what I'm looking at. What are what are the things I could do to extend the season? I'm to the point where, you know, I'm getting pretty good yields and it's consistent and the soil gets better every year and I'm learning more. Now I want to start expanding out into how do I extend my season? Okay. Yeah. Well, that is a really cool part about you know, that area, Cascade Locks, or even out on the coast, is you can do that winter thing. So by planting late, planting some of those brassicas, you know, I'm talking, you know, cauliflowers, broccoli, yeah. cabbages, yeah. chards, uh, all those kinds of things, plant them late, you can basically harvest even carrots and stuff. You don't, you don't really have to put them up. You can just leave them in the soil. <laughs> and harvest the as you need them. That's what I've been able to do with uh, carrots, beets, and potatoes. I, I can just leave them okay. out there. Um, I do potatoes in bags, um, big fabric bags, and I, I can just, after the plant dies, I just leave them sit out there in the garden, and, you know, December or January, when I need some potatoes, I just go out there and dig through the, the bag, and I've got potatoes, and they are so well-preserved. They're, like, absolutely fresh. Well, that, yeah, and that's the best way to preserve that stuff if you can, for sure. Yeah, very good. All right, David, again, thank you so much. I appreciate your time today and how busy you are, and uh, um, I, I'm excited about our partnership. I think there's so many synergies here, and uh, um, I'd love to get you back on the show in the future. All right, well, sounds good. We'll, we'll look forward to it, and... Uh, Thanks so much. Fantastic. All right. Take care. We're going to wrap this up. Um, we will be back. Let me uh, kind of figure out what's going on here. I know we have uh, Lauren probably standing by somewhere. Um, let me check and see. Uh, Angie? I have been totally out of it. I haven't been checking my text messages Um 
it was I, it was so wrapped up in that conversation. Um, okay, Angie's looking for Lauren. I think we're just gonna. I, I'm just gonna stay on here. We're not gonna start a new show. Um, we'll just roll into um, after hours as soon as we find Lauren here. So if you have questions, um, now would be a great time to jump in. And I'll answer questions, and then we'll get Lauren in here, and I'm sure her and I will have some things to talk about, and then we'll take more of your questions. Um, so dial us up. It, we're back to a health free-for-all here. If you have any questions, um, I could answer about uh, Azure. Um, it's a, uh, a partnership I'm excited about. We'll, we'll get him back here. I think there are so many things um, that really fit well, the whole trucking and food. And I, I just think it's a great fit. We're excited about it. But pick up the phone. If you've got a question about health, it's a free for all for right now. 855-950-3835. Um, Lauren and I will also be doing um, Q&A live, but I'm thinking I might do a little different twist here. I, um, I know not everybody is interested in gardening, and it's one of the reasons why we're, we're separating our shows as much as possible on the new network now. If you don't want to hear politics, don't listen to the pit, and you're probably not going to hear much politics anymore. Uh, don't want to hear health? Don't listen to Destination Health. Listen to the trucking shows. Um, but I, I was surprised when I did some things on gardening, how much feedback I got. Every time I post about, you know, what's going on in the garden or you know, something new I've learned. I get a ton of feedback. I think there is a pretty good sizable group out there of people who want to um, know more, learn more, talk more about gardening. So I, I might, I'm not sure, but maybe today on the live, we'll switch things up. Maybe I'll go live on the video and I'll do a little garden tour because really the garden is just kicking off this week. I, I spent the weekend, I put about 100 plants outside, I think, finally, because our weather's changing. I've got another round of seedlings just starting. Um, maybe I'll just do a quick garden tour on video, and we'll have Lauren on the chat part answering questions. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. Um, I'm not sure what's going on. I saw a couple calls coming in. Uh, I saw a couple calls disappear. So not sure what we're doing yet, but uh, go ahead and dial us up. We can't seem to get a hold of Lauren for some reason. So if we don't, uh, if we don't get any questions here in the next couple of minutes or we don't find Lauren, um, I'll probably end this show and then we'll kind of regroup. Um, I really didn't expect the interview with David to go as long as it did, but it, it was just, uh, for me anyway, um, really interesting stuff. I think it's just a great story, and um, I love their business model. Um, oh, you know what? Maybe today was the day Lauren um, told me I was kind of on my own. I think it is. Um, I should probably pay more attention to that kind of stuff, but I think... Lauren sent me an email. Um, it, we're going to assume that Lauren is busy today. So um, 
I'll give you a couple more minutes if you want to ask any questions. Dial us up right now, 855-950-3835. And I'm looking at the clock. Well, let's see. I'll see if we get any calls. If we do, I'll take them. And then at some point when I'm ready to end this free-for-all, I'll, uh, I'll pick a time, and since Lauren isn't here today, and we're not going to do after hours, um, I will I'll do a garden tour. Um, I don't know if I was supposed to prepare something for after hours or not. Maybe I was. Um, but I'm making an executive decision, and we'll, uh, we'll just do a garden tour. And then when I'm done with the video part of it, I'll just kind of walk you around the garden, and we'll look at stuff and see what's growing, and I'll talk about some of the techniques I've been using and show you what's, there's really nothing much going on in the grow house right now. Cause I just planted a, about, uh, Oh, about probably about a hundred more seedlings, um, tomatoes, more tomatoes, uh, more peppers. And I started beans. This is about the right time to start beans. I like to plant my beans earlier or later when, when we start to get some real heat. Uh, and I think I have like pumpkins and gourds, but nothing's germinating yet. So it's kind of boring in the grow house right now, but there's a lot going on out in the garden. Um, and I talked the other day about a, a, a strategy to defeat the slugs. They were devouring my garden. Um, that's a new problem this year because of all the rain. I've got a solution and I, you, you got to see it. It's kind of incredible. Uh, we do have some calls coming in. Let's go to South Carolina. Terrence, welcome to the program. What's up, Kevin? That was an amazing interview with that guy. Because uh, I, you know, I, I used them. I read up on it before I started buying from him. But my question is, is what kind of a relationship? He's just going to come on the show and talk about everything? Or you guys got something going with ordering stuff for him? Um, nothing yet as far as products or anything like that. It's something we might explore. Um, right now we're really kind of looking at them as just, uh, like I said, the, the three pieces fit so well. Um, you know, with, we, we surround ourselves with people who are into, you know, good, healthy, natural food. And they're certainly one of the leaders. Um, and then the trucking aspect of it. I, I just think it's an incredible opportunity. You know, I, I can't tell you how many private messages I've got from people. I never expected this to happen. And there are truck drivers who now feel guilty about the products they haul. You know, they're hauling corn syrup and they're like, <laughs> I feel bad that I'm, and I'm like, don't feel bad. People want that stuff, you know, but they're like, nah, I, I would just feel better if I hauled a product that, you know, I believed in. And I, I kind of get it. I would probably feel that way too. So here's an opportunity. Yeah, if, yeah. It, if it were me looking for a driving job, I would love this. See, I'm content with what I'm doing with the dump truck, but I mean, I get a drop zone down here, but it's just like, I would imagine if they had like a, something that's shorter, like around South Carolina and North Carolina and still be home every night. I'm, I'm going to give them a call and see what they're about. But I'm, cause they're, they're supposed to be, I heard they're trying to go to the Northeast. Up, up like Maine and all that too. I, that's not going to help me, but I, I don't know. 
large spread area for, for what he's got, you know? You know, an incredible story. You know, one guy, a family, you know, to build a network like this is I, I'm just fascinated by it. I think the only place they're not fully into yet is like far north New England. And and I, I assume they're expanding right. into there as they can. But yeah, that that's a huge every place else in the country. Um, they have a footprint. And like I said, I live in a small town and we have one drop here. And I have looked at the possibility of if there are some products that would, you know, maybe single products that our um, tribe might be interested in. Maybe at some point we'll talk about maybe we could stock those at our warehouse and ship them out. Um, But we could also make our warehouse a a great drop point. Um, So we've talked about that because our drop point here in town is only only once a month. So we could go two weeks away from that drop point and create another one. So our little town would have a drop every two weeks. Yeah, see, that's what I, we get. I get every two weeks. And what's cool about that is they, they have another drop point in, in this town called Morris, which is not like North, almost North Carolina, but borderline North Myrtle Beach. And one of my one of my factories got left because I wasn't there to pick it up. And the other people at the other pack drop zone fit, held it and kept it for me. So it's really unique. It's, I, I, I was going to try and call in and tell them that, you know, how, how, how the drop zones work. It's, 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 ama- it's amazing to, to be able to, to ship from where they're shipping to get the product. It's pretty neat. And, but there are some people that are like vultures when that drop comes. <laughs> I mean, they swarm out of it. It's like, it's funny as hell. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I live in a pretty rural area. I don't have a lot of stuff around here. I can't get services like Instacart and DoorDash and all that kind of stuff. But I have at least, the last time I checked, at least six possibilities to pick up Azure within 30 miles. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still having trouble getting that Alexander's. I've been trying to look for alternatives, but I can't get it. So I, I haven't had my yogurt in a while. I'm jonesing. I, I am shocked that that's our biggest problem with this yogurt is finding the good quality dairy that we want. And, and the other issue, too, is like like Whole Foods has it. Like I live in Myrtle, but I could go up to Florence, but... You call them and they're like, "Oh, well, we only have you know one case." And well, can you halt? No, because they you don't blame them. You know they they want to they want to sell it, but I'm like, I don't want to drive all the way up to Florence, you know, but for one bottle of cloth, you know, it's like it's just uh, yeah, I'll get it figured out though. All right, I'll let someone I'll let someone else gonna great. That's great, great guy to get in. I mean, it's amazing. I read up on him, man. It's it's amazing how they got uh how they got that going and pretty neat logistics on it too. Yeah, j- just an incredible story. And then I I didn't know about the tie-in with Bob's Red Mill. You know, Bob's Red Mill is a, a basically a, a grain company. They they mill grain, so you wouldn't think I would be all that interested. But they do. Bob's Red Mill has a ton of products that are not grains. Other products I use quite a bit. I because I love the story of the company, and I I didn't know that those two were so closely tied together that early. That's a, a cool part of the story for me. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Gene, welcome to the program. Yes, Kevin. Uh, question. Uh, I have uh, 
swelling of the ankles, the lower extremities are swelling up on me. And I'm basically keto and carnivore, more towards carnivore, but keto. And I've been doing that for about a year. Any suggestions? Yeah, so tell me about the the results. So what was your health like before going keto? And then tell me what kind of things changed in the last year. Okay, about a year ago, I had a Eurolift done, which did not work very well. You uh, are the, Eurolift the is a process. Just, just, I, I just want to jump in here because... Um, I've seen this commercial on TV for the Eurolift. It's for men. Um, I, the whole process sounds barbaric to me, but anyway, um, you are the second person that I've heard of that did not have a good experience with that procedure. Yes. It was a money grab is all I can see. And that's what it sounds the like. The urologist that did the operation three months after he did it, he died at 59 years of massive heart failure. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> and he also had a $30,000 a month uh, alimony payment. So I guess he wanted to do a lot of operations. Oh, my God. And the other thing, I had a cardiologist here about, I don't know, two and a half, three years ago. He said my heart all looked good. I had no uh, bad valves or anything, but uh, there was something he was looking at he couldn't see properly so they went in and did their examination and found out a little vein that was blocked so they shoved a stent in me well of course he tried, he put me on all this medication eloquist you know the blood pressure the whole deal right and i used to walk two miles every other day well after bitten on all this stuff I couldn't walk two blocks after being on that stuff. So I quit taking it and started listening to you, and I started eating keto. And then I switched a little, mainly carnivore. And now I'm uh, experiencing these legs. And it was just that uh, knee doctor today. I had some, quite a few motorcycle accidents, and my knees are bad, and he put a shot in there. And he said, well, your legs are pretty well swollen. I said, yeah, I know. He said, well, he said, well, you ought to go to your family doctor. I said, well, I don't have a family doctor. He said, you're 81 and you don't have a family doctor? I said, no. <laughs> I said, why would I go to him? If I go to him, all he's going to do is send me to you. Exactly. So that was our answer to that. <laughs> okay. So, so any suggestions? Yeah. Um, this could be something as simple as a mineral imbalance. Are, are you taking any mineral supplements like light balance or anything like that? Yes, I am. I'm using that and I'm using the MCT oil and I take other supplements besides vitamin C, zinc, uh, that's, you know, and that's okay. a few others. So I take the so, cardio miracle too. So then I'm going to say it's probably not a mineral imbalance then. You've addressed that already. You're taking care of that. Right. So the next thing, and, and I do get, I don't want to worry you, but I do get a little concerned about this. This can be the sign of a heart condition. So. Yes. I do. Yeah. And, and 
you know, you're 81, and for many decades, you ate the standard American diet. Now you've cleaned it up, and we can do a lot of good with that. But um, I would really recommend that you do a consult with Dr. Wolfson on this one. Okay. That sounds like a good idea. So he will have all of the same knowledge as the, you know, your doctor would probably send you to a cardiologist. He's got all of that knowledge and all of that experience, but he believes in fixing this naturally, not with drugs and surgery. Right. Yes. I have his book here. Good. Good. Yeah, I would reach out and do a consult to him. I, I really think that's the, the, um, the, the best way to go with this one. Yeah. No, no supplement or anything that would help get rid of that fluid? Well, here's the thing. I, I don't want to just get rid of the fluid because that would only be addressing the symptoms. We could do uh-huh. that. I, I don't want to. I want to know why this is occurring. I don't believe it's a mineral imbalance, so I'm concerned that it could be a heart condition. So rather than just try to cover it up, I, I would really like somebody like Dr. Wolfson who could get to the, the, to the cause of why this is yeah. happening, and then we can address that cause. Okay. All right. We will do that. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. All right. That, uh, that's going to do it for today. Uh, we're coming up on 11 o'clock. So I think here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take a break. Uh, it's been three hours with no breaks. Um, I'm going to take a break. And at 11.30, and this is a total experiment. I'm not prepared for this. I've never even tried this before with my phone yet. Um, I probably should test these kind of things first, but um, I'm not going to. I like to do things on the fly sometimes. So at 11.30 Pacific time, what is that, 2.30 Eastern? Yeah, that sounds right. Um, Head on over to healthytribe.com. I will attempt to go live and just do a garden tour. I say quick. The last time I did this, I I did it as a recorded video the last time, and then I posted the video, but I want to try doing it live this time. Um, Like I said, I don't even know how this is going to work on the phone. I haven't done it before. We'll see what happens. If it doesn't work and there are some questions, I'll just answer questions in the chat. Um, If it works, we'll do a little garden tour and see how it goes. Uh, So we will see you in just about 30 minutes healthytribe.com. And uh, thanks for joining us today. We'll see you then. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.